Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I don't like blood and guts, But I love them when they're lengthily discussed. Piranha, check, 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 piranha. Good on you, piranha. Hey, good on you, piranha. Good on you, piranha, Paul. <laughs> good on you, piranha, Matt. Could you tell by the change in the pitch of my voice that that was the beginning of the podcast officially? <laughs> That's right. That's like um um uh, uh when you know uh you remember in the old days uh, of uh, landline phones? Yeah. Sometimes you could tell from your family members how their voice changed, like who was on the other end. Oh yes, like yeah. oh they're talking to mom. Yeah, they're not talking people, to their friend. Yeah. Their tone was yeah. totally be psychotic if they talked to their friend that way. <laughs> Hi, dad. Hey, buddy. That those are my two voices, basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, going through puberty is like where um, phone voice really gets underlined for people. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you're already making pitch changes. On purpose and then doing some not on purpose. It's a confusing time. That's why it's so confusing. That's why it's phone so talk. <laughs> That's why it's very confusing. <laughs> uh, but here we are sitting uh, on our uh, penultimate of the Shark Weeks. <sighs> yeah. And it's not even... The only shark in this movie is a game called Shark Jaws. A video game called Shark Jaws. Shark Jaws. Is, uh, that, is that a real game? <laughs> Look, I'm talking on the phone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it felt like a, a, a legal, um, I'm trying to think of a comparison where Jaws was bigger than Shark. So if you walked up to the video yeah. game uh, machine box, you would go, oh, this is a Jaws game. What? Yeah. Shark Jaws. Yeah. Uh, what's another one of those? Uh, by the end of this uh, yeah. two hour plus episode, I'm sure I'll think of one of those other legal loopholes. I, I a word one's is, on the tip of my tongue too. And I oh, can't this isn't the same thing. Okay. My friend in high school, no, uh, throughout my life, Rick, his family bought the greatest songs of, uh, in movie history, like a soundtrack collection of like bomb themes and other, uh, songs that have been made popular. Raindrops keep falling on my head. And it was by the original artists. 
that they get it. They listen to it. Oh, no. It's the phoniest sounding versions of the songs. And I'm like, but, and they go, the, the name of the band is the oh, original artists. That's insidious. <laughs> but in, in something so low stakes like that, I'm glad it exists, yeah. but I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can like that that exists, but still have my heart broken for the families who bought it and have to listen to a dumb version of uh, Kokomo. <laughs> the soundtrack to Jaws by the John Williamses. <laughs> and the ES is just in tiny little print. J-O-N. <laughs> hey, listener, it's time you learned who we were if you didn't already know. That's right. I'm Matt Gorley. I'm Paul Rust. Oh, this is with Gorley and Rust. That's right. It's the show where we talk about horror movie franchises, mostly at length mm-hmm. and in an easy listening style so mm-hmm. as to make us all feel as cozy as possible. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Do you think if it was um, non-cozy, yeah. the length would be an issue? It, it would because we wouldn't be able to take it. There's a reason yeah. why this is so long is because it's comfy to just to to sit in it, luxuriate yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. But if we were coming hot into the mic, being like piranha, grade it A B C D F. <laughs> the aggro version of this podcast would yeah probably be thirty minutes. I think. Yeah, we did. We it'd be like a good workout. Yeah, yeah, it would. That's not a workout I'm interested in. No, 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 no. No. Everybody knows the best workouts are sort of, yeah, two hour plus room. No exertion. No exertion. Talking about films you enjoy with a buddy. (laughs) Should we start our own, is it Peloton? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Our own Peloton where people sit on a couch and then we just like talk. Just, ask them at the screen be like I think Jason might be a metaphor for all <laughs> kids with single parents <laughs> and then intermittently are, are talking to them going you can do it buddy you can sit on that couch another couple of hours you got this you got this yeah yeah put another pillow behind your head <laughs> support that neck life's too short to spend time doing something you've got to just waste time with us yeah it's <sighs> better than a book yeah yeah. Your book can't talk back at you. No. Unless it's an audio book. I've thought, though, like, um, if TV and uh, had come after video games and the internet, which I know is the biggest, you can't do that, but just I'm with you. I'll go um, People would be like, TV is the devil. Because at least with video games, there's some, like, agency. Yeah interaction puzzle making thing that people can argue right you're not just docile like having information just rained on you and you're accepting it and the internet to some bad degree your own curiosity could lead you to wherever it leads so you can contribute to the content of the internet exactly yeah yeah. so if tv came after those people would be like this is awful you just sit there and whoever is on the screen gets to tell you the information they want you to know it's like a re-education camp basically just like in red dawn where you're just sitting there and they're screening movies of communism at you yeah i forget that part of red dawn what are they doing what what movies are they like it's 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 just like um I think it's just propaganda of like Soviet power and then like messages of how capitalism is bad. Oh, so it's like Harry Dean Stanton is in, is the one who's like watching, watching those movies. Well, he's standing there, but you know, he's not watching. He's, he's firmly planted in a way that he can turn his head from it and say, avenge me. 
I'm I'm so weak willed. I could watch like probably three <laughs> communist movies and be like, sure, yeah, capitalism uh, is bad. Also, are you today, guys my friends? Yeah. Will you be my friends? Yeah, it's it's not exactly <laughs> black and white like Red Dawn will have you make it too. That is know? true. <laughs> so like. <laughs> that is true yes and yes. you'd also be in that camp going hmm entertainment okay so well, to pass the time and then the irony of course is that you're watching a movie red dawn which is its own you're sitting there in the audience so going much. like yeah so yeah, much. it sucks so much like that is crazy how how propagandistic <laughs> that movie is it's crazy it would be and funny it, if yeah you see the next door internment camp and they're watching red dawn <laughs> <laughs> to get them mad at the soviets to go fight over like, at the so, other one so the american side has pa- captured yes. some of the russian and cuban soldiers and they're making them watch the real-time version of red dawn and harry dean stanton looks over and he sees himself up on the screen <laughs> like when you look at another drive Drive-in screen. Yes, I was just gonna say it's like a drive-in where you can look at the. <laughs> and he sees himself, but he's somehow still not distracted. He still just looks back to his sons and continues, but occasionally his eyes dart over there. And then on the third one, they're showing Alien, and he's like, "God damn, what don't I know about myself?" <laughs> <laughs> that is either heaven or hell for Harry Dean Stanton. He's yeah. at the drive-in, standing on a, a, a top of a car, and all of his movies are played around him. And he's like, and I was Molly Ringwald's dad? What is this shit? <laughs> I had a strangely similar experience that, not really, but it's enough to segue. Sure. When we went to see Candyman a couple weeks ago at the drive-in, when it started, Fun. the trailer for Halloween Kills came up, and then I looked in my rearview mirror And the trailer for No Time to Die was playing on another screen at exactly the same time. And I was like, what do I look at? What do I look at? I know I've seen both of these trailers already, but... It was like you were in a three-way, Gorley. (laughs) You didn't know where to... But like two wives, not just a wife and like a, who's this lady come to play? So it was more like a a bigamist thing. Yeah, it was my... These are my sister wives. I was a Mormon (laughs) fundamentalist and it was big love. And I mean, I uh, I guess my first wife would be... James Bond, you know, like wife prime. This is a horrible analogy. (laughs) I like, and what, so how did you choose? What did you do? I just, you know what I did? I never do this, but I took out my phone and videoed it just as a weird little moment because I had seen both of them, but. Oh, I'd like to see that video. Yeah, I'll show it to you. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. Now, when you went and saw Candyman at the drive-in, when you went to the concessions, was it like popcorn and blood? You're like, what? <laughs> and, and bees and candy. Yeah, popcorn and bees. Yeah. Amanda did make me go to the concession stand with her. She didn't want to go alone. She was... Cause I of, mean, that's the best part of the yeah, drive-in. Yeah. It's the same as like going to a baseball game or yeah, something. Yeah, like I know. The, the yummy snacks. Yeah. My wife and I uh, and our, our daughter, we went and saw Wizard of Oz at the drive-in during mm-hmm. uh, uh, in quarantine. Was uh, that the Rose Bowl? No, we went and saw it... Um, it was not the Rose Bowl. That's all right. Yeah, but it was, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, the concessions. Oh. Brought, oh my God, those chips with the little side of cheese. The Signed like me up liquid 600 cheese. Times. The little like yeah. plastic oh, thing yeah. that you peel off the thing. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and, uh, oh, oh, uh, um, um, uh, any any business at hand, Gorley? Well, we'll just say this, that we've we've figured out a nice little plan for the hiatus that we're taking yes. through. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back before the end of the year. But, you know, uh, as mentioned before, I've got a baby on the way. Not personally, but fa- familially. Yeah, you're, you're part of the... I'm not the Billy ba- Crystal in a rabbit test, for crying out loud. <laughs> 
or Arnold Schwarzenegger and Junior. Yeah, I, I ain't no Junior. As much as I truly do wish I could be. I yeah. <laughs> I would love to have a baby. Personally. I just wish I was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Junior, so Danny DeVito is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is this. Uh, we're going to close out this season, and that means we got another episode next week of Cruel Jaws. Cruel Jaws. The Patreon will not only continue on as planned, so if you're not a subscriber, get on there, because that way you won't have a break in content. Yes. You'll get the next upcoming feature-length commentary, which is yeah. Halloween 2, which we've already recorded. Oh, boy. Yeah. A mailbag episode will come before yes. that. We're just now uh, put up a, a post on the Patreon for the trustees to pick their next commentary. All right. So you'll get that in uh, either October or November, depending on whether... I think what we may do is maybe do the cozy awards Ooh. in place of a commentary for the yes. after Halloween. That's good. Uh and we've decided we're going to drop a special episode. We won't say what it is. It's a surprise. It's something we've uh, sort of hinted at. And it, it won't be a commentary. It'll be a full discussion yes, episode yes, for yes. just for the trustees. That's right. Probably sometime in October you'll see yeah, that. Yeah, a little October treat. That is all with the asterisk of, of that stuff is on the calendar now. If, if something, you know, if things come early, then we'll have to reassess. But for now, that's the plan. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I probably speak for all the trustees as well, but I'll just say, I am so excited for oh, you and Amanda. You. I think the podcast is excited for you. Our show as well. This is an exciting time. And so we just want the best for you. Oh. So, you know, whenever, uh, time you need Gorley. Hey, if we're not back on this until, um, my daughter is, uh, 18? <laughs> no, I won't let it happen. Uh, and, and your child is 14? It can't. Because I, I'm glad that our daughter's born in the in the era of with Gorley and Rust. And I, I'm looking to get back to this as soon as, you know, as, yeah. as humanly and healthily possible. Of course, yeah. of course. Um, well, you know, just like... Uh, the world, you know, we just want what's best for it, right? Yeah, we do. And that might just be continuing this podcast as soon as is humanly possible. <laughs> no, I mean, it really Joe is. Biden will call us up. <laughs> Boys, the country needs you. <laughs> People are doing their laundry and being forced to re-listen to old podcasts. Not of yours. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something if Joe Biden really called us and was like, Boys, you know, I don't do a Biden. No, that was good. And I'm not going to. Uh, but if he really was, someone, some aide had convinced him that, like, you have to get these guys back on the mics because the country's falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think, um, who's currently on mic, whether it be, um, let's say any kind of broadcasting, not just podcasting, mm. if they were to abruptly retire... Ooh. Joe Biden. You know what? Let's make this just entertainers. Okay. I have mine. I've, I've now set up this question, so I have an answer for it. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, an well, entertainer I mean, or actor or musician or a celebrated artist of some kind. Part of me suspects he was instrumental in getting Jackass back together. <laughs> <laughs> Boys just make me laugh. I haven't laughed. Take like us that. back to 2007. <laughs> who, 
why, don't, why am I George W. Bush? I don't know. So what is yours? I'm curious. Oh, I think Tom Hanks. Would, yeah. Yeah. If yeah. Tom Hanks was like, I'm not doing movies anymore. And Cheers. he especially wants him to keep doing what he's doing now, like news of the world and Greyhound, just like dad dramas. We need our dad dramas. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. most of my voting block <laughs> loves dad dramas. You couldn't couldn't do a movie about prohibition, could you? Or something like that. Take us back just <laughs> to something pre-civil rights era that we, where we understood what was going on. Oh, if if the government ever made a call to Tom Hanks to make another movie, I think it would have to be some sort of like World War Two, yeah. oh, Saving Private Ryan. No doubt. Yeah. Because yeah. they're doing a um, Band of Brothers podcast, a retrospective podcast that's like official and Tom Hanks is on it and... Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I just want COVID to end. So our movie stars are in movies, not doing podcasts. I know. This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, (sighs) It'd be funny if Daniel Day-Lewis started podcasting. Yeah. But he did a thing like like how (laughs) Rob Lowe is for Parks and Recreation, where he just does podcasts about his own films. Yeah. And he'll bring in like, um, like a guest who worked on it. Yeah. So, or, 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 or an expert. Yeah. So like when he does, um, uh, is it episode on nine, the musical. Remember when Daniel Day-Lewis was in that musical nine? Wait, what's that musical? What? Uh, I'm surprised. I think it's probably his most famous role. <laughs> With that, that's ringing a bell, but I, is it just a straight up musical? I don't. Uh, yeah. Or it was, it was, it was, it's based on a musical about like a filmmaker and his. Oh, is it? It's like based on Eight and a Half. Okay. Um, right. But on that, um, he'd probably have like a numerologist as a guest. Uh, I know he'd have Jim Carrey from the number 23 in that, in character <laughs> or whatever that movie was. Number 23. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, he was driven crazy by the number 23. Oh, God, I'll bet you anything that was like a autobiography. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm just noticing your amazing t-shirt. Oh, yeah. oh my god. I'm wearing my Raising oh. Cane shirt tonight today. This is just the And and Gorley, it's like vintage and you can see I'm starting to get the belt buckle oh, holes at the bottom. That's you know, authentic. When it gets a little thing it yeah. gets in there. And this back is awesome. Demented, deranged, deceptive, de palma. Yeah. Uh, so Leslie got me this shirt and I love it. And it's like one of those shirts that now I have to start making choices when yeah. I wear them. Cause when I wear oh, it, I feel so flattered. I know oh it's like a nice date shirt. Wow. Paul, I don't know to what you. to say. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm going to make it stinky. Oh, so I'll have God. to wash it. And yeah. when I wash it, it's going to get a little more threadbare. Oh. So each choice now is, is a big one. <sighs> That's special. Yeah. Um, and it did make me think, um, you know, I wore it too. I started listening to the plot thickens season two about, bonfire of uh the making of the bonfire oh i want to listen to that i because i've read the devil's candy the book yeah i want to read that too like uh is that good i think i've read it like three times okay that's my next book it's when i keep like uh the late shift by bill givens Mm -hmm. i go back to that one again yeah and that's such they're they're fun reads yeah but devil's candy this podcast i'm listening to uh, the plot thickens about the making of it has more information than is in the book, which I'm delighted by. It's not just like a retread. And she plays the actual, um, uh, Julie Solomon, the writer, she writes, uh, plays the actual uh, micro cassette recording interview. So you hear Peter Goober, who's oh like that big God. 80s Hollywood producer yeah. on, uh, on mic or whatever, saying like at the time in 1989, like, uh, 
he does this crazy thing where he'll like run six metaphors together and you hear it actually happen. Anyway, I couldn't give a bigger advertisement for this TCM podcast. Wait, Uh, so hold on. Sorry. Two questions. And then I swear we'll get to. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. everybody. Would you recommend the book or the podcast first book? Okay. Yeah. And then. You said uh, this is- no podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. because I think it's easier to go down, and then if you're hooked by it, then you'd okay. want to go read the book. And then you said this is season two. Was season one about a different film, or season one was about um, Peter Bogdanovich's life? Oh, and that's uh, I recommend that as well. Okay, it, 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 he narrates it, and um, it, he's had a really wide and varied career, and uh, a lot of interesting stuff during the like Star eighty period when oh. he fell in love with. Dorothy Stratton and when she was oh, murdered. And, oh, boy. Know. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. I'm, I love getting the, good wrecks. Yeah. Do you, um, um, well, if you like good wrecks, you got to check out the Jurassic Park movies. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's so, a bad Rex. He's very bad. <laughs> he is. He's a naughty Rex. <laughs> good brontosauruses, indifferent <laughs> velociraptors, and bad Rex. Uh, we could get after this question. What's yeah. your favorite dinosaur? I don't know that I've ever been. You know, I think I will say, and I didn't know about him until Jurassic Park. I like those velociraptors. Yeah. Good on Jurassic Park. I know sometimes we do a little. Yeah. Not so nice talking about Jurassic Park. It's done yeah. 100% all the time for us. Yeah. But we got to give them credit for introducing the world to those raptors. I agree. <laughs> Because I didn't know anything about those. They're kind of like sleeper cool dinosaurs. Yes. What's the wall of fame for things that we on this podcast have kind of defamed that others would probably take issue with? Ooh, that is a great question. It's Jurassic Park. It's in and of itself that one man magic show. (laughs) And then we're split down the middle with me notoriously with drop detuning for guitar songs. Which is ironic because I love open G tuning, <gasps> oh, but not drop D. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you like about that open G? We I are so it, full sub tabbed into this conversation. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get yeah, there. We yeah. trust if you're listening to the Piranha episode, you know this already. But I think it's that like if you have standard tuning, drop D takes you more towards the like droning atonal, where open G takes you even more like major just just gelling because there's so many that are tuned to the same note that it's just like oh. it's probably like stupid person's tuning really no that's awesome i uh i've never i'm scared i just always go standard because i get scared of the other tune i do too i'm just saying that the little experience i have with it yeah uh, so the uh on the wall of fame or the wall of shame of yeah. things that the wall we, of defame. Wall of defame. Yes, yeah. that's what you said. That was great. Uh, I did. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, or uh, yeah, uh, wall of defame. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, I know something that I could say that would be on that wall. Do you do you dare? I'll just give it like a one sentence. Okay. Oh, I know one because you, you put it with the American versus British office. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But we're careful. This is a cozy podcast. We don't ruffle feathers. Yeah. We just dip our toes lightly. 100%. In these. Yeah. And that is. And the way course. you put it was, I shouldn't even done that because now it makes it sound like a thing. If you listen to how Gorley said it, it was so well put in 12 words. And without, also without the, hurting or inflaming. Yeah. And that's what we mean by <laughs> in the wall of the wall of inflame. 
that goes wall up that goes on flame. the wall of inflame that's next to the wall of defame this is this is with i can't be, like even express how much paul and i will celebrate you liking something that we don't and vice versa oh, like that's, that's all, not even a question all i'm about yeah. is like in movies and lifestyle and the world do what makes you happy if it doesn't hurt anybody else. This so, is more a discussion of everybody's got those things that they're like, I don't get why the world likes that as much. Yeah. That's all this is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I will both say two kind of contradictory things, which it is both me uh, going, trying to go, I'm dumb and I'm not clued in. And also I'm not trying to be, but I'll, or I'll cop to, maybe it's a, you can call it snobby. You could say, oh, Paul's just being a snob. He doesn't like this. Yeah, because everybody's snobby about a few things. Yeah, so you can either call me dumb or a snob yeah. about this stuff. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, or right now I'm fine with it. But if you said something, it hurt my feelings. Uh, I just, this is a general statement, but I'm off to left cold. By those Marvel movies, okay? Me too. Okay, Oh okay, my God, is this okay. a safe place? Okay, that's oh, good. That's okay. We're in, the, we're in a safe place. I can't take them right? anymore. I'm on the phone with this voice calling my buddy. Mom, <gasps> do Mom, I have to all watch? the guys in the dorm, they like the Marvel movies, and I'm just trying to fit in my freshman year. Why don't I like them? What's wrong with me? Yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, yeah. maybe... I cause I could just leave it at that because anything I start to say, then I could see how somebody would make a counter argument or sure. whatever. But I think just saying they leave me cold this is not all of them. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah, and I was along <laughs> for the ride in the early on. Yeah. And then eventually it just yeah. I, I don't I don't show up for them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Listen. And and it bums me. It does break my heart because I want to be part of the national conversation. I want to be having the dialogue. When a movie like Joker came along, I got excited because I'm like, at least this is finally a movie. People are going out and it's generating conversations or arguments. Thank God. Like, bring that on. We haven't had that in a while. Yeah. so maybe it's like, I wish Marvel movies would generate more arguments and controversy. Maybe yeah. that's what I want. Maybe they will. <laughs> and listen, like, obviously, Grain of Salt, I like Godfather 3, which is, I think, the dropped D of Godfather movies. It is a bit of a dropped D Godfather <laughs> movie, isn't it? It's like the simplified uh, uh, George Hamilton is played like drop D base in that movie. Uh, <laughs> that movie would have been infinitely better if just in the background of my scenes Hamilton's back there playing drop D bass oh, I didn't think I could love it more uh, um, so anything else on the wall of defame or inflame I'm sure or anything you want to add to the wall Coralie? I have a couple things I'm afraid to admit but maybe over okay. time Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I think they're too big. I would really ruffle some feathers. Yeah. I um it's a it's a and when it yeah. I think the ruffling of the feathers would be um I would feel it if I was a listener. I'm held paralyzed by your guys' opinions. This isn't a dialogue. Yeah. I just have to sit here and hear you dump out a thing I like. Yeah. So that's 
Well, I did my best to hold my tongue about those those M movies. Well, oh, I, and I, Hollywood cast me in a movie. <laughs> I, of course, any of this goes with any trash talking uh, or whatever. It's like, I, but I'm with you on that, and that's fair because they all descend into a CG madness at the end, and so that's a legitimate, I think, uh, reason to check out. Yeah, the one thing I'm thinking about, I feel like only has love, and if the, I don't know of anybody else that dislikes this thing, they just might be like indifferent. Yes, please write it down. Just so I can know. This is so silly that I'm keeping this a secret. No, I, I um, what if you wrote down the Bible <laughs> <laughs> or you wrote down, um, Oh, <laughs> Mr. Gorley. <laughs> I respect your opinion, but I disagree. I see. This is what I mean. This is why I'm afraid to say this because there's no. But you can you can state it. Yeah, but but I get it that there's no. But it's a. I'm gonna be alone. You're alone. And if I'm if I'm not, it's someone who's not gonna care to fight against. <laughs> it, you know, like there's no one in that camp. I've I can introduce you maybe to a couple buddies of mine who I think would be part of the indifferent group that I could articulate it for you. I, okay. Maybe I can't articulate no, it. I'm no, just no. indifferent. I'm not opposed to I'm indifferent. This is so you can be, a, must be so frustrating to the listener. I apologize. This whole thing. Oh my God. The piranha people who came to this just for piranha. Yeah. Piranha. We're sorry. We, well, we, uh, um, um, just so, uh, people know, Gorley wrote down Bob Hoskins. <laughs> I hate him. I hate him. Let's just make it clear. So now that's a, it's not even an elephant yeah. in the room anymore. Um, yeah, Bob Hoskins is probably not anybody anybody actively dislikes, right? How he, could you? Could, yeah. How could you dislike the person I wrote down? Really? Well, me? No, I know you don't. <laughs> but I know you hate Bob Hoskins. Yeah, with a with a passion isn't doesn't even yeah. give it the right the justice of the. the <sighs> Loathing, I feel for that man. No, Bob Hoskins, I would put um, in top five actor uh, performances for Roger Rabbit. Uh, or, yeah, or okay. Roger Rabbit. I watched that, and I'm like, he, you know, he grew up in a um, uh, a circus. Like his, I, I did not. Know his that. family was like, he did acrobat. Like, so he's doing mime and clowning stuff that like. It's pretty incredible that for being the first of a kind of its kind, that for the next 40 years after this, then it's just been nothing of, but a lot of humans interacting with people that aren't there and things aren't there. He's still the best at it. Oh, you wow. watch it and his eyes lock exactly. Now, I think it's partly animation because with Roger Rabbit, you can squish and shrink him yeah. so that the eye line is always oh, matching. Right. So they are brilliant, but he's brilliant. You watch it and it's just like, I, I think he's, Amazing for that. And also, I think it's an amazing performance that he, in peak uh, 80s protagonist, like me, like me characterizations, he's playing like a uh, an alcoholic private detective who hates the rabbit that everybody loves. And you still manage to have so much compassion for Eddie Valiant. And probably pretty <laughs> unlikely casting, right? Like, I imagine there would have been some studio guys going, why is this not some hunky yeah, of, you know, or just uh, who was a comic figure at the time. Like yeah. I think Bill Murray was originally like thrown out as a, uh, as a person like you'd think it'd be some, yeah, but having this guy, this 
actor who's just like doing like really cool movies in England and stuff. I need to rewatch yeah. that. Um, yeah, then, but, but my favorite of all, Piranha Piranha, this is all about Prada. <laughs> my favorite uh, <laughs> act, actor performance character, um, a male uh, act, a performance is uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Anthony Perkins in Psycho. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love like Norman Bates. That act, that yeah, performance is, is like good. so great. So good. Gorley, what's your favorite? Not even maybe just best or most acclaimed, just like a performance you enjoy watching the most. Or it can be what you consider the best or your fave. My God. Uh, wow. Uh, Roger Moore in Cannibal Run? Uh, couldn't be less performed. He's <laughs> absolutely himself. So, yes. <laughs> Well, I will say on that level, uh-huh. Burt Reynolds in Smoking the Bandit is maybe the most charismatic performance I've ever seen on screen. And that's all really movie acting is about. Yeah. So if he's the most charismatic, he wins. It's just he's at his peak. He's already had a strong run, so he's got all the confidence he needs, but he hasn't turned bitter or jaded. Oh. And he's just all smiles and sex appeal and confidence and yeah. fun and Coors beer and mustache and cowboy hat. God. Yeah. And that, um, you know, I, I infamously haven't seen Smoking the Bandit. So that's something we got to watch. Oh, yeah. Holding hands. Oh, uh, but, but the, but I'll the, hold both your hands <laughs> and stare in your eyes while you, ref, while it reflects through mine via the Orca opticals. <gasps> this It's like some weird Esalen thing. <laughs> they play Smokey and the Bandit. You lock eyes through the, the entirety of Smokey Bandit. I'm going to paint my Bandit. face in reflective screen paint and then just shoot it on my face at an angle. And I'll just stare, <laughs> stare at you, but you won't even see me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I was going to say like... Uh, the whole difference of seeing a light in an actor's eyes yeah. that they're happy to be on screen and happy to be acting for you versus the no light. I mean, you can maybe look at any actor's career and be, see, be like when the lights were on and then the lights, I mean, it, it doesn't right. have to be forever then. Sometimes the lights come back on, but that I, makes I, all the difference. Yeah. Right? Like Chevy chase, you see it go out, but when it's on, yeah. it, it is on. When did the lights... Who's is somebody... There has to be people... Oh, well, Dick Miller in Piranha. Yeah. Dick Miller is an actor where you never see the lights go out. No, I see You yeah, see a love yeah. that he's getting to do this and act every time. But I think in all of Joe Dante's repertory of, repertory of actors, uh, that's what he casts for. It's just like people who love to be on camera and you love to see on camera. That's a like, good point. They're very winning. Keenan wins in this too, by the way, which is crazy. Yes. And he's not phoning it in by any means either. No. Oh my God. Keenan wins performance with the dog yeah. on the dock was so good. I know. Cause it was impromptu, you know, like the dog kind of like moves and he goes, Hey, come on, listen to me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> We're getting dangerously close to talking about this movie. <laughs> How dare we? <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, it's as if, um, like Piranha, um, the topic of the movie Piranha has been in the pond. Yeah. And at some point, we're going to have to pull the lever that releases the Piranha movie conversation into the water stream. I love it. That is the the pod stream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On Golden Pod. Yeah. But do you have to... Are you okay? I'm okay with bathroom break, but if you need one... 
I could go either way. What do you? Would you mean pure poop? <laughs> <laughs> that sound of slapping is me slapping my own literally leg, slapping laughing. your knee. <laughs> At my own joke. Are you in jackass? <laughs> um, what do you think? I'm okay. I'm okay. I mean, like, should we start talking piranha? Or should, it seems like we take a break before we get into it. When we but go usually, this long, yeah. We I know, to, but usually it was general thoughts. Do you want to do general thoughts? and? Or, okay, okay, or, that's good, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Go, you go first. Okay. Now I'm nervous. Do you want to take a bathroom? This is what happens when you get two <laughs> you want to people collect your pleasers thoughts? in a room. It's like, did you have to pee? Well, wait, it'd probably take us five minutes to think of a pun for peeing for piranha. Right. So let's take let's the break. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. We'll take the moment to come up with the name and then, okay, piranha. And that is embracing the pronunciation in this movie, piranha. Yeah. By the colonel and the the scientist. Yeah. Uh, and I think, um, right, right, right. I remember hearing it Maybe in the her voiceover. Too? Yeah. All the people working the on si- the project. The scientists. We yeah. don't know why they pronounce it piranha, like with a tilde above it, like it's <laughs> Spanish. Maybe it is because aren't piran- piranhas from Brazil oh. or something, but would that be Portuguese or I don't know. I think they should have stuck their chin out and put a tilde yeah, above the end I for agree. this movie. That would have been really bold. What about poor Anya? <laughs> we're talking or to the toilet you. about yes. what we're gonna do. Get ready, Pete. I love poor on or you. it's Australian toilet where I'm gonna pee on you, pee on you, pee on you. It's not yeah. even close. We're gonna take a pee on you break. <laughs> uh, uh, God, there's probably so many twisted podcasts that take pee on you breaks. I know. Oh, Can you I don't even want to think about those. Joe Rogan probably just straight up just. Like I, I gotta oh, take a break to go like pee on someone. <laughs> <laughs> In five years, when people are listening to this, five years out, are they even gonna know what the horse dewormer reference is all about? I really? didn't even fully understand that until this, this morning when you. Oh, because we were talking. I've about been it. in a strange news blackout, out of like self preservation, not out of apathy, but the world, the news has gone crazy. Hey, you are about. To have a child and you're bringing it in this world, you don't want to have to be that. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, do you think when our ancestors, the cave people, went into, they went into a cave to have, they went into a cave to have a baby. <laughs> George, George, they went into a cave. Stand up when you do stand up comedy at me. God damn it. You can't do that sitting down. <laughs> well, my voice cracked in such a Seinfeldian way. This is dovetails now to the phone call. Like, yeah. if, if you ever picked up back in landline days, if you picked up a phone and voice cracked, sometimes people would think they called Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> You'd be like, hello. Oh. Be like, oh my God, I'm talking to wow. Mr. Seinfeld. I just dialed a random number. Oh, um, this makes me think, um, I was thinking a couple days ago, how many times do you hear the anecdote where somebody goes, so I pick up the phone and they say, Steven Spielberg's calling for you. And I go, yeah, right. Oh, right. I knew it was my buddy yeah. pulling my chain and I hang up. Then they call back and they go, no, we really like, yeah. I've heard that story more than I hear the it going correctly. Do you think, I'd love to ask uh, Spielberg or Quincy Jones or whoever if they ever encounter that and we're just like, okay, fuck them. Like they call yeah, up, yeah, they yeah. call up, uh, 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 dad. Aykroyd. Yeah. And he's like, I've spent 15 minutes trying to convince him. It's actually me. I can't talk about this project. I'm interested in. He's yeah. all he talks about is crystal skull vodka. 
And if he is so focused on that I'm being an imposter right now, this is a red flag. Uh, yeah. I don't want to work with this guy. I actually could see this happening where um, Spielberg calls Dan Aykroyd as an authority on Crystal Skulls when they're like in development for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And Dan Aykroyd, because he is into Crystal Skulls, the real ones. Yeah, he... Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're not he real, based but... based a whole line of um, alcoholic beverages on it. Yeah. Um, they... Why didn't... Because I think it was around 2009 when the movie came out, or 2008, Dan Aykroyd's vodka. Uh, why wasn't there some sort of... Because Dan Aykroyd's in Temple of Doom, my brother. I know. So why didn't he come back playing that character? <laughs> That's Weber. What's his name? Weber. <laughs> Corley, I love you so much. You do Dan Aykroyd's cameo characters. Weber. I think he says it. I think he's, I'm Earl Weber. I'm oh, something good. like that. Oh, I'm probably wrong. It's probably that's like Reggie and Richie. I'm going to go down. We figured out, an, uh, uh, we discovered a new cameo, a director cameo. This is wonderful. Yeah. Take it. Well, I sent this to you. I texted it to you yeah. to be like, I saw this. I can't believe it. Uh, I first read a reference to it and I was like, somebody was like, you can see John Carpenter's cigarette smoke in Halloween. And I was like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> and I Googled it, looked it up. And when Annie is next to the shrub where Michael has disappeared behind yeah. and she's standing there and talking to Lori, you see a little plume of cigarette smoke come in. And I guess John Carpenter has said that was him and he was smoking off camera and it just went into frame. It's so great because it just kind of looks like his white wispy hair too, you know? It's like, yeah, he just plucked off a little bit of hair and yeah. drifted off. Yeah. But it's so fitting too because I feel like the Michael Myers mask was like stained with cigarette smoke in Halloween too and stuff. Yeah. Like, I think... Every frame of every John Carpenter movie should have a little bit of his fitting. Like just for diffuse lighting, but instead of fog, <laughs> he's just right under frame blowing it up. Yeah. Ugh. But should we, should, shall we take a pee on you? Let's do it. Okay. We'll be right back. With and Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. With Corley and Rust. General thoughts? Reporting to duty? Or Colonel thoughts? Colonel thoughts. That little exchange. Oh yeah. my God, we'll get to that. That was yeah. interesting. Yeah. I want you to go first on general thoughts. I feel like I might need your... I'm going to follow you a little on this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be swimming upstream. Okay. And, and you're going to 
try to follow me. I'm going to be in your wake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, um, I was thinking about it on the drive over here. I thought to myself, I do have some love for the underdog in terms of movies. Mm-hmm. And that when a big budget uh, studio movie scores, I'm like, that's good, but so what? Yeah. You had every yeah, resource you right. could to make a great You're movie. trust fund, baby. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But when I see uh, a scrappy blue-collar kid mm-hmm. get to college, mm-hmm. <laughs> to continue this metaphor, not a trust fund kid, yeah. uh, where they got so much stuff going against them, but somehow... They succeed. Now, look, they might not have the coolest clothes or the best haircut, <laughs> but they're at, they did it. They, they won the dream and they actually went beyond anything anybody expected them. That, as a movie goer, that does really win me over. And so I think I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, Piranha is like, uh, um, it is an underdog movie where I'm really proud of like what it manages to pull off with its resources. <laughs> uh, and I don't even mean that that sounds like a backhanded thing. I think like if you just watched the movie uh, when it came out, like you'd be like, whoa, that was like a really unexpectedly like entertaining movie. That's like, the, that's the best. Yeah. Uh, so um, I love it. Uh, I could see criticism there's there's points <laughs> where uh it goes maybe astray and it's not always entertaining but uh for me yeah i uh uh i really enjoyed it what are your general thoughts this one was a little different for me because i feel like lately i've been liking movies then getting halfway through and they don't work for me like orca like started mm. strong this one started weak for me and then by mm. the end I really liked the last half of the movie, and so it won me over. It, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and, uh, what did we say last episode? That it was like sort of like when people say there's act three problems, it's actually act one problems that you didn't notice because yeah. you were just enjoying the movie. So maybe the reverse of that, because I do think one of the strong suits of this movie is it's like script by John Sayles. Uh-huh. Uh, that's like a, I would go like, oh, maybe act three works because... Act one is Maybe, like, yeah. it, it's like planting. I, I do, I did think like in act one that, or, or in the first half of the movie, I liked how much uh, mystery they kept with stuff. Cause sometimes movies like explain, like stuff, explain stuff too much. And then you're kind of like bored until, yeah. so I like the like, um, uh, but yeah, what was, so the beginning, um, was it like not clicking for you on like a, I guess it was, well, I, I should mention, I've said this in previous episodes, I'd never seen this movie before. Right. So I think it was your two leads and their kind of almost Sam and Diane rapport that I wasn't <laughs> buying except for in the script as written was good, but somehow delivered for me was not working. That saying, that said, I was fascinated to watch it because it was yeah. like interesting that I'm supposed to buy chemistry be- between these two. Yeah. But when the movie doesn't become about that relationship, between them and just becomes about the mission. Yeah. That's when it really won me over. Yeah. I did like in my notes, I was like, I did like, this is when they're pairing those two up and they're taking that 
really long walk down to the uh, <laughs> yeah. to the pool to look at it. Like I was like, what is that? Cause I've seen it before and I loved it. But like w- when I was watching, I was like, I don't remember. This is so bizarre. You also don't know if they've had sex. I read up a little bit about it cause I didn't need, need some answers. And yeah. I guess in the novel. Yeah. There's they did. Okay. Cause yeah, that part in the movie, she kind of, she's like, well, I think you're kind of a adult or whatever because I've been spending the last five minutes trying to get under the covers. Yeah, and you and don't, I bet, like, is she cold or does she want him? Yeah, and did she mean these covers that she's under right now, or yeah. like the? Did she mean those covers or the covers I, to get under? I believe it's it's supposed to originally have been that they sleep together. It yeah, it's so funny when it went to the exterior shot and he was like, you're really something. And it fades out. I was like, Oh, they had sex. Now when it faded back in, I just wanted to see, uh, not nudity or anything, just a shot of like them exiting a bedroom or something. Confirmation, not just for me that they've slept together, but that so the two of them know they slept together. Cause I, (laughs) I am not clear that they do. They're acting like nothing happened. And then by the end I was like, they did not because there's nothing transpired afterwards that made it seem like they had sex. Um, and they didn't have like a final kiss no. at the end. Well, he was or, covered in piranha bites, so it would right. be gross. But. I guess in a final kiss, if they did do that, that for me definitively means they never had sex because they're like, whoa. Oh, because it happens. It yeah. all culminated like, yeah. in their kiss. Yeah. But with this, maybe it does work because they had sex. And so they're just like, well, I'm not going to kiss you while you're dying. That's weird. It's, it's 78. Look, let's just look. We did it. No big deal. I mean, the movie, I think, is very, it does seem like pretty lefty and progressive. And so yeah. I could see it just like, yeah, they had sex. And then, what's your hang up about it? I know, man? bub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big deal. But it is funny that the now going back and thinking about their long walk to the pool facility area where they're not talking. It's just like maybe the natural awkward silence of after you two people hooked up after meeting each other and the guy was drunk. What are we doing? Oh, he sure was. That's another question. I have. How is this man walking? Because we see him drink multiple canteens of straight booze. Yes. And <laughs> it's so funny. Cause like, um, I, I don't, uh, uh, in, when the movie flight came out, yeah. I remember somebody making a criticism of that movie, like the way Denzel Washington drinks isn't how a real, um, a person with a real drinking problem drinks. Oh, because it's like multi-varied bottles of different types of drinks. Uh-huh. And so maybe that is, I don't know. Uh, like, Right, like they usually pick a favorite, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so when the guy showed up with the, and he's like, you got my son or you got my gin, you got my vodka, you got my bourbon. Where's my tequila? I was like, this sounds like a, sorry to go back to the freshman year thing yeah. I referenced earlier, but, but it does feel like a freshman yeah. year drinker who's just like, I want this, this but yeah. it wouldn't be like, no, just get me a huge jug of yeah. the thing I like to. I think especially <laughs> this guy, I'm not buying this guy's like tequila Tuesday and wine Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, chartreuse Saturdays, <laughs> um, uh, bourbon booze day. That's Tuesday. It's just a pun. Uh, 
Fernet Friday. Perfect. And then there's one other. <laughs> there's one other thing that they pull a trick that you see in movies a lot that I've never seen. I never realized you have to set up this thing, this trope that you see in movies. I'm going to explain now. Talk about the like where he goes. I'm not going with you, and they. She's trying to convince him to go down to the to the military. Oh, and he's like, you know, you're on your own. I'm not going. And then they smash cut to him in the car, and this implication of like, well, she got me to go, but. There, you realize when that happens in other movies, there's there's a precedent of the character convincing of like they're just so convincing, or the other person's a pushover. There's nothing we've seen in these two characters that makes me understand what. How did she convince him to go? Yeah, was, how is she wired a certain way and he's wired a certain way that he got into that car? Yeah, yeah, that's really true. Uh, and I think if these actors were playing an attraction. There'd be, you know, there'd be like, if, if imagine right. if this was performed like Romancing the Stone, like Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner, I yes. think that's kind of what they're yeah. going for, but it's just not there in the performance. Or it felt like sort of like a, um, also like a, uh, his girl Friday sort of thing. Yeah. She was yeah. like snappy and he was like, <laughs> yeah. or, uh, it happened one night. Yeah. But yeah. this is the first time where I was like, wait, no, show me the scene. I want to know how did he end up in that Jeep? Yeah. Uh, if only cause then, yeah, it would demonstrate her uh, convincing abilities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's true. I, I thought you were going to, uh, that is funny. And I love the like smash cut. You can know it's, you sense it. It's like a, a Pavlovian yeah. response. As soon as somebody starts going like, you're never going to get like, <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm going to see the opposite. Um, I'll give a, 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 if people want to see it, uh, Neil Campbell and I, Years ago, like 2006, it's, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, we did a, a comedy video that was based on that, where the two people <sighs> recognize they have that power. So it's like, huh? Oh, that's I'm brilliant! Never ever going to meet Michael Jordan, and then it's smash cuts. We're like, oh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> Uh, so if people want to see what I looked like in 2006 I, All of that, I yeah. want to see all of that Check uh, it out Yeah, uh, I'll maybe put the, that up on the Patreon The thing you, I, I thought you were also going to say the. Uh, yeah. It might have been my favorite scene of the movie Was the I thought you were going to say they never set up in a movie They always go like Hey lady, go distract the fellow With your feminine charms Yeah, And then uh, And it's never in a movie ever like tries nobody ever goes but how's that gonna work so they do that and then they go one step further <laughs> i thought this was so funny that yeah. she's like but what if he's gay <laughs> so and then, then when she goes out to distract him she asks him are you gay that was amazing because also even then the main guy was like well then i'll distract him i thought that was very yeah. funny yes yeah but yeah. then she double distracts him because don't they do a diversion and then she's still also like doesn't she do two things she takes flashes her, she's topless but they also do like a noise or doesn't am i mistaking that i thought there was two things where it's like oh he makes a noise 
And she also flashes him. So the the poor guard, who by the way is like dressed like a hippie, is the most yeah. Like, well, do you know who that guard is? No, that's uh, that's the screenwriter John Sayles. Oh. What a hunk, huh? Yeah, no kidding. I did not know that. Yeah, you think this guy who's like a independent filmmaker is going to be this little nerd? And he yeah, yeah, he looks like he should be a linebacker for the <sighs> Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> That's going to seem like we were referencing something, but... <laughs> I know. We, listen, if you're a first-time listener, we say that every episode. Will Smith knows. Will's laughing. He's like, they got yeah. it in. So, yeah, let's talk about the people that are associated with this movie, first of all. So, yeah. you got Joe Dante. Joe Dante, yeah. We watch, we've watched Gremlins before. Yeah. Love the dude. John Sales. John Sales. I wrote a list of, like, just exclamation marks after these people. Me too. I wrote John Sales and all... Caps, um, Keenan Wynn, yep, from Orca and you know Doctor Strange Love and Pino De Grigio. <sighs> What's his name? Pino Danaggio. Danaggio, yeah. Our second Danaggio as well. Is that I was wondering if we'd had more than Body Double, but I immediately when that guy's music starts playing, I'm like, this is something special. Before I even knew. You know, yeah. I forget if the music was playing before his name, but it, it is good music. Yeah, it is. We've we've been blessed now two two movies in a row with. Uh, yeah. Some Italian composers right. really heightening, bringing these movies up a notch. Boy, those '70s Italian composers, what yeah. they, what's in the water over there? It's so good. Uh, pink, pink champagne. It must be. Yeah, it's Pinot de Grigio's in the water. That's <laughs> what it is. Uh, yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Kevin McCarthy, the oh, character yeah. director. Um, and then oh, and and the main uh, what's her name? The main girl something Menzies is that her name she was Louisa in uh, uh, Sound of Music oh no kidding Trap Children yeah oh my gosh and then wasn't the one of the Von Trap Children in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh really that the director of the pilot um, (laughs) of the Lancer pilot who's like I want you to look like a Zapato. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's like a. Um, I've been, I, I, you know, as in terms of like, where are they now? Uh, like, oh, the the Von Trapp children in Sound of Music. Where are they now? Do you feel like we've been blessed that we were born in an age where we get to see that with two casts of the Little Rascals from the show and the movie? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, from the show and then the remake, yeah. we get to like we get the overlap. Yeah. We're the only as ones. children we grew up just being like, yeah, so and so died. Who yeah. he played so and so? Like, huh? <laughs> and now as we get older, it'll be like, oh, you know, the '90s remake. One of those kids died of a drug overdose. Oh, okay. For real? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Joke, 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 joke. I just meant, I was trying to think. Alfalfa died because he was the real Alf. Yeah. Original. Because he was, he got shot by a gun trying to collect on money. Yeah, some sinister shit. Yeah, Yeah. so I was just trying to think of the modern sinister. That's funny you should say that. I I recently watched a documentary on what happened to all the rascals. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And it is crazy shit. Like, nine out of ten Bad, bad stuff. Yeah. It just, those poor people were not taken care of after that. And and to this day, child actors aren't really taken care of. So like, did they have any hope back in the day was when hardly anybody uh, was a good parent. Yeah. But by how we define it today, it was basically just like Jackie Cooper. Uh huh. Maybe was the only one that 
was an actor as he got older and, and uh, like either lived a full life, just lived it. And then on top of that had seemed to have had a decent life. There were a couple, I think that became like agents, but mostly a lot of them died just really young. Like his kids too, like the heavy set one died pretty early. Well, those, uh, they were truly little rascals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've been to Alfalfa's grave at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Oh, I didn't know uh, his grave. Uh, did you do like a, a grave tour? We just an informal one. I've never told this story. I don't no. think we're, we were just doing that. And then we're by his grave and there's a little tree or like it's a normal size tree, but it has it's one of those trees with like a lateral sweeping branch, you know, uh-huh. that comes out to the side. And uh, I'll just say for the record, I'm not a ghost believer. Many people are. I'm not. Um, and I'm not even setting up to say like, then there was a ghost. Okay. It's just a creepy situation yeah. happened where we, we either didn't notice it or something came along after we turned around to look at the grave. But when we turned around to look at the tree, there was just a little kid in short pants sitting in the tree, like swinging his legs. What? <laughs> and, and I'm sure he was just there with his parents and we couldn't see the parents or what, but it, it did. We, we were just like, are you fucking Alpha Alpha? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and he was like, um, he was black and white. He's <laughs> like plenty of the thing. And then he just just dug into the ground and went into the grave. <laughs> and then a, like little, a little worm. and a little sprout of hair stuck out the top, like a periscope, like a little hairoscope. <laughs> Uh, down hairscope. That's a. That's what I say at the beginning of a party. I go let down your hairscope. Now I'm slapping my knee. What if every time this kid was there and we turned around to look at the grave, we couldn't see him, but we could see his shadow, and yeah. that little sprig of hair would pop up on his shadow. Then we turn around and it was gone in real life. And then we turn around again and the shadow was That's, there. Yeah, it sounds like a yeah it does sound sort of like a Disneyland or haunted house type of attraction where you walk by and as you walk away they like on a rope like lower a little boy onto a tree and yeah. the are like what what which is also what's the ethical line because. Hollywood Forever does these huge movie nights where you can yeah. you can even spend the night there sometimes. Yeah. Oh, the first one I went to was the first time I had edamame. Really? It was like my third, second night in Los Angeles. Oh. So buddies took me to see Double Indemnity at the at the Hollywood Forever ceremony. Or, uh, I think I saw Double Indemnity there. Would have this been August 2004? It absolutely would have. Gordley, we were oh at my the God. first cemetery school. Cemetery screening. Wow. Is oh that cool? God, yeah. And then uh, he said something like in the movie, he goes, I pulled into Los Feliz and people went, Woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or but laughed, but yeah. what's to stop them from going a little farther and doing like Gordon, little. Isn't that so cool? That I know. The thing that we were both at was like a thriller suspense movie. 15 years ago, 16 years ago. Yeah. 17 years ago. 17 I don't years do ago. math for wow. a If you and I had met women and conceived children with them, they'd be like 17, 16, 16 years old. They'd, they'd be, be driving. They'd be driving to Hollywood forever cemetery to see double triple, triple indemnity, indemnity. <laughs> given that this Hollywood remake machine. 
We're always rebooting stuff. <laughs> but what if that Forever Hollywood Cemetery or Hollywood Forever started doing little attractions like special effects things where there's just like a hologram of a little ghost boy when you walk by at night. Ooh. Because, I mean, they've basically sold out that. It's yeah. not like a hallowed ground anymore. No. And I, I saw like a Shakespeare in the Park play there too. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Like, like what would, like Macbeth or something? Um, uh, it was, I think it was Midsummer Night's Dream. Hmm. Interesting choice. <laughs> I remember they did this thing that when helicopters would uh, eventually would, it was a given that a couple helicopters were mm. going to fly over at some point at the Hollywood forever ceremony. <laughs> like some real dorky Shakespearean actors. They figured out a way to work it into the play. How did they do it? It would be like, they would, it's so dorky. It's just like, they would all stop and turn and look upon the helicopter up in the sky. I don't oh, know. I mean, yeah. it wasn't even Shakespeare. It was just no. supposed to be kind of like a cheeky way we deal with Look at how clever we are. Yes. Look, I know tabs are open. We'll get back to where we are. But <laughs> there was a theater, I think, down near San Diego that was directly under not only a flight path, but I think like the landing zone of a flight path and so they had a light on the th on the stage at the footlights that the actors could see so once that lit up they knew a plane was about to, like a really loud plane was about to fly over and they would just freeze and go quiet until the plane passed <laughs> just like it was done at the old globe theater itself <laughs> but does anybody even get buried at the hollywood forever ceremony or cemetery um first i thought you said uh Buried, that they probably do. Yeah, I bet they probably do everything but um, burials. Now. Well, um, um, oh, I wish I could remember the actor's name because he's really great and very talented. Who died? Who played Chekhov in the new Star Trek movies? Walter Koenig. Koenig. No, no. Oh, no. Anton new... Yelchin. Yes. Yeah, he's buried there. Oh, then they must. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um, I do see those modern gravestones there where they've laser engraved the actual faces of the people that have died. I think that's what his, that's how I knew he was there. Somebody described that his tombstone is like that. Because he's Russian and it's culturally like a Russian and Eastern European thing that you see that that's popular. There. You want to know what's crazy to bring what? this all back? I heard that detail. That's how I knew he was there from Joe Dante on the movies that made me podcast because he's in one of Joe Dante's movies and he was like, Oh, and they have a gravesite and it's like tradition and Russian families to have a, a, a gravestone like that. And he described it. Wow. So it all comes back. Well, all done. rivers flow upstream to the, to, and circumvent the dam to go beyond. Yeah. To, to Lake Dante. Wow. Um, I'm impressed with our ability to tangent and then get back in this episode, especially yeah, much like the mighty Mississippi. It's impressive yeah. how we keep, does the Mississippi River go back to itself? It must have a mm, tributary or two <laughs> that deltas back into a, uh, a ria or an yeah. inlet. I heard the Southern lawyer is now representing <laughs> river deltas in a class action suit about the Delta variant. You rang my name? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. What? Is it a river? Is it a virus? Hard to prosecute when you don't know which. Oh, look at my poor little triangle-shaped water formation slash killer variant. Oh, 
but it's not really. How could something you can't see with your own eyes or much less a heroscope be deadly? It can't be. Only the devil is, and the devil lies, and this, the prosecution. Oh. The original COVID-2019. <laughs> Who's besmirched my poor little Delta man who never hurt a soul. Oh, so contagious because he only wants to be loved, not killed. I gotta go. I'm playing snooker down at the, <laughs> out the snooker. Snooker and grill. I do have to go. I've run out of things to say. Oh, he had to go to the snooker and grill. <laughs> I'll miss him. Bye now. Um, by the way, did I win? You did. I'll take it on faith. I don't. I actually mic drop and leave before the verdict comes. I'm so sh- certain about it. Delta variant, you are free to go. Oh my god, my face hurts, my little cheekies hurt, um, my jaws, jaws. Oh, do you think um, shark jaws? Do you think there has been a lawyer who like, um, you know, like talk show guests sometimes don't stick around for the whole talk show? Oh yeah, they'll leave the couch. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think a lawyer's ever done that where he's like, I put my case in, I'm not gonna stick around for the verdict. I bet, and but some uh, who are like just don't care, but there had to have been some badass attorney that's like just walks out with like flipping the bird. Like I nailed it. Yeah. Cause really it's out of his hands by that point. Yeah. All he can do is either pat his shoulder or rub it. Some like Matthew McConaughey, Lincoln lawyer guy that, yeah. you know, that uh, would be amazing. Um, uh, I remember really that reminded me of a funny conversation amongst my friends in college once where we all talked about like, I would say, Oh, Conan, uh, you're, you do a podcast with Conan. It was about, would we, if we were a guest on Conan show, would we stay on the couch? Oh, and we all went around. We we're like, I would stay on the couch. <laughs> I wouldn't leave early. I would stay on the couch. It's like, what conversation? <laughs> so noble, so noble of these college students. If they were allowed to be on Conan show, they would stay on the couch till the end. <laughs> None of you said I would go. Nope. Nope. Everybody yeah. would stay on the couch. Cause it did. It, the cool people did. Yeah. When I watched, would watch it. I was always like, Oh, cool people stick around. Yeah, because it showed you how to report, and it was also such a throwback to the Carson era. Yeah. When you were on a show, you were on until the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Letterman didn't do it because it was a stipulation uh, to go back to the late show. That's right. To keep it different from the Tonight Show, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, well, anything that would have transpired, I would have been like, that was the right way to do it. But it does seem like with Letterman, it was good, because I, you'd think... What's he going to do? Make three guests simultaneously feel uncomfortable? I know. Like, <laughs> like it's just good to have like the interrogation hot light on like one yeah. guy. Yeah. I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was the guest who said like to be on Letterman's show? He's like, to do other talk shows, you realize like we're in on the joke and this audience is or this audience isn't on the joke and we're on the joke. And he's like, but when you go on the David Letterman show, you realize Everybody else is in on the joke, but you're not. Oh, like, man. you're the person who everybody's like, uh, which is awesome. I know. Unless you're like one of five of his regular favorite guests, like that could transcend that he likes. Like a, a Terry Gar. Oh, yeah. Or Amy Sedaris or Julia Roberts or, yeah. Charles Grodin. Oh, Grodes. Yeah. Grodes. Yeah. Grody. Grode bro. Um, uh, so. Tab closed. Tab closed. Um, uh, I wonder how many people listen to this while looking at different tabs open. 
Oh. Or do you think they open up a tab physically every time we start? They that type would be in? an interesting experience. Or yeah. also like have an actual physical filofax where they're just handwriting a little tab that they put in that little <sighs> plastic thing that sticks up and they have to put it in the file. Well, speaking of Charles Grodin, the original title for taking care of business was filofax. And that is the like MacGuffin of the movie. I don't know if you've ever seen. T- no, I don't know this. what any of this is. It's <laughs> yeah. blowing my mind. And right there's now. a European tab open. When it came out, there's a poster with Charles Grodin that says Filofax. Like, because in some countries, I think it was called that, maybe. But in what our country, it was called Taking Care of Business. What's the. What's the. Um, the premise what? is. Yeah. James Belushi gets his hands on Charles Grodin's Filofax so he can. He knows all the steps and he becomes. It's like a Prince of the Popper thing. He oh. takes over Charles Grodin's life and Charles Grodin becomes the Jim Belushi in this scenario. But, but uh, uh, Grodin doesn't want to be that. No. It's more like trading places or yes. something. Yep, okay, yep, yeah. Yep. yeah, sorry. It's not, yeah, right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. No, I wasn't correcting you. No, 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 sure. but it is like uh, trading places. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, is it good? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, look on your face. And I watched it like probably I was on a Charles Grodin run uh, before he died. Whoa. No, I was like watching, I was just watching his Letterman clips and watching movies and stuff. And I watched Taking Care of Business for that reason. And he's, that's like why I was watching a lot of the movies because he's always good in every movie he does. So it's like kind of the fun part of watching those movies. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I get this little gem of a Grodin yeah. performance. Uh, but yeah, it's so bad. And they say Filofax like a thousand times in the movie, oh. uh, written by J.J. Abrams. He must have been. When was this made? Uh, it came out in 1990, I think. Wow, I can't. I'm always surprised at how long he's been around. Because what was his? Then regarding Henry was the following that's right. year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was his first big thing. Yeah, yeah. And didn't he write the score to something really early on that we've watched? Really? Yeah, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Let me look it up. And then, and then we will talk about this movie. What if he wrote the score? He he like uh was um co-score writer with uh Ennio Morricone on Orca. We've already forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like more synth. Ennio Get okay. this a kid out of here. You're driving me crazy. <laughs> All right, composer, Future Shock and Night Beast, 1982. What's Night Beast? Night Beast. Uh, um, sounds like me when I have the munchies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I become a bit of a Night Beast myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't have another good answer. Well, for that. he did. You're right. He composed a score. Yeah, but I thought... I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I'm. Did you watch about. Night Beast? I don't know what Night Beast is. Mm, I haven't either. Yeah, maybe it's um, you and your a relative of Jeff Eastman who changed his name slightly, and his name is Night Beast <laughs> East. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> no, we've got this, listeners. Do you have the balls? To stick this out with us? I don't think you've got it in you. Do you have the guts to reference a line from Piranha? Piranha. Do you have the uh, what intertestinal fortitude? Oh, yeah. Do you know what that means? And the kid goes, guts. <laughs> Which is interesting because earlier they're saying greasy gopher guts. 
I, I wrote that campus. as a note because that's, I think, a song that gets changed regionally from mm-hmm. where you are because ours was great green globs of greasy, grimy gopher guts, mutilated monkey meat, sitting on a toilet seat, French Ew. fried eyeballs, prehistoric feet, all in a bowl of blood. I forgot my spoon, but I got my straw. <laughs> I love that. I don't know my regions. I, it was different. I never heard these spoon straw. I think I don't want to. I'm I'm hesitant to do this, but I think I added the spoon and straw line. I don't want to take. I'm not taking no, credit. I'm just thinking. Great. I wanted the song to continue. It wasn't like I've got something brilliant to add. I just wanted more song to sing. That is so good. Do you have a version of that? Not that, but I do love the idea of like. Uh, regional, like I remember talking to different kids who had different. Um, when you're sliding into first and your pants oh, begin yeah. to burst, yeah, let's see if ours match. Okay, when you're sliding into second and you need a disinfectant, no, which is weird. Oh, oh, I guess it, it makes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, sliding into second. I don't think I had a second one. Did you have any of the bases? Maybe um, this is insane. Yeah, we either. did. Then it was like when you're sliding into third and you lay a juicy turd. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> My favorite, when you're sliding into home and your pants, pants begin, begin to, to foam. foam. Yeah. Okay, okay, so that's yeah. always been yeah. a, a cornerstone. Yeah. So second, when you're sliding into second, um, there's a Weezer song, uh, We Are All On Drugs, and the melody is... When you're sliding into first and your pants begin to burst. <laughs> like, it's the same. It's, it's right. the diarrhea song. Uh, he but he's not trying to. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> Did you ever do, um, uh, um, oh, X marks the spot, a circle and a dot. Cool breeze, tight squeeze, crack an egg, let it fall. No. That's when you do it on someone's back. So you, you turn someone around and you do a little X on their back. Then you poke it in the middle. X marks a spot. Oh, then you do a circle. Then you poke in the middle of dot cool breeze. You blow on their back of their neck, tight squeeze. You give it a little like Vulcan pinch. They get the shivers. And then you do crack an egg where you put your fist on top of their head and do this. And then like run your fingers. I remember I not that I just remember people doing that, but not part of that rhyming, which uh, yeah, I love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. That's good. My earliest memory, I think, with me and my dad is him doing the, um, give me a five, up high, down, down low, low, in the hole, too slow. Oh, in the hole. Is in the hole, that was a little weird because he, he'd do like a little hole with his finger that I put my finger in the hole. <laughs> it's not weird. I'm just, for us, it yeah, wasn't weird. Yeah. But growing up, I'm like, oh, that's also the sign of intercourse for some right. people. <laughs> <laughs> For some dirt bags yeah. out there. That's how they refer <sighs> to the, um, well, I don't know, the process of lovemaking. Bunch of foam pants. Foam is so gross. Foam. And I remember as a kid having to ask, like, what is that? Like, foam. But it, yeah. I guess I imagine it coming out of the top back of the pants. It's like foaming out. Yeah, it is it is poetic in its own way, but I do feel like at that level of like urban 
slang, you are obliged to make these things clearer and not just go, <laughs> go for the rhyme. It may be that you can't do every base, so throw the whole thing away. Yeah, because it's going to get set in stone. Yeah. No matter what you pick, this yeah. is going to take off. So let's think about the second one. Yeah. If you can't, let's just not do it. And, and I will. I would also like to <laughs> enter into evidence beans, beans, the magical fruit. It's not a fucking fruit. Okay, I believe it's a legume. That's that's a matter for another case. The, the more, more you, you fart, eat. the more you plume. <laughs> Bean beans, a magical legume. The more you, the more you squeak, the more you boom. <laughs> Crack an egg, let it fall. <laughs> you gotta uh, break some eggs to make a toot fruit. Southern lawyer, do you remember the sort of the regional thing that people would sing during the um Money Money? No. Dun 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 money money. And then people would go dun dun ba de ba da ba ba And it would be like dirty. Like what I just did, but no. dirty. What is it? Okay, Southern lawyer, I'll tell I'd you. like to bring in an expert witness. Take the stand. Do you swear the truth to tell all the gods things? I do. I do. I, I do promise. Okay. Um, you're looking this up. Huh? Yeah, I'm Googling it while yeah. I'm on the witness stand. You're an I, expert witness? I don't want to um, uh, perjure myself. Okay, good. Um, good. I'll have the court enter into record that I flew this gentleman in all the way from sunny California. Uh, a continuing very serious anthropological study... This is on a journal of musicalthings.com of where did the special lyrics in Billy Idol's version of Moni Moni come from? But it's here she comes. Now, this is a little dirty, so I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll censor it. Plug your lily whites. <laughs> here she comes now singing Moni Moni. <laughs> the crowd goes, Hey, mother effer, get laid, get effed. We'll shoot him down, turn around, come on, Monet. Hey, MFR, get laid, get effed. Wow. They wouldn't play it at our school dances out of fear that kids would do it. They knew? They, they outlawed Monet. Excuse Moni. me, they knew? They knew, Southern Lawyer. Wow. And they outlawed it. And I had that intel from my mom, who was a teacher at the school. She told me. Teacher said, don't play Monet, Monet. It makes the kids <sighs> scream. But I never knew what the... Southern lawyer, yeah. to your point, it was kids have to just enunciate better or think these things out better. Because for some of us out of the loop, we want to chant dirty words, too. I rest my case. <laughs> oh, he dropped the mic and turned into bass. Oh, that was the door sound. Sorry. Oh, I, I've come back to explain myself. I thought he did a Dracula. <laughs> I did. I turned into a bat and then a mist and I leave through the keyhole. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's such a sweetheart. He is a lawyer. <laughs> uh, well, should we do a a, a a scene by scene, or or just something like go, that? Go yeah, through this movie. Start with logo loco. Logo loco. I put bonco logo loco here, just meaning kind of cool bonkers. Yeah, new uh, new world. What is it? Uh, new world pictures. Yeah. yeah, and it's like starry and glittery. Yeah, I have such a fondness for. Um, when cheap things try to bring the Hollywood glare. I, I mean, that's like it's, Hollywood Boulevard is. Yeah, you just like walk yeah. down. It's like Hollywood. It's like a scummy postcard. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it really uh, is something kind of cute in all that. Yeah, I kind of feel like some of the highfalutin studio logos now are going to be really embarrassing. No doubt. Because uh, when the, I don't know, when they were originally doing those logos, they didn't like try to go to the full effect category. Just yeah. a Warner Brothers logo would come up. But now when it has like a, uh, um, oh, Disney's is like the worst. What is Disney's? Now? It's just like a 30 second. Oh, that's like, right. It's so overblown. They start on the river behind the castle and then zoom, pull out oh, from the thing. fireworks and, and everything. Yeah. And then yeah. there's like a river leading to the castle. It's just like, cool, that guys, come on. Plus, you're dealing with about eight different production companies' logo cards that are animated, Ugh. too. And Oh, yeah. That, um, I'd like, I was hoping, like, someday, like, a comedy, like, makes, has fun with that. I know, they does, should. like, Five minutes of the most involved, like production logos, <laughs> the tell a narrative. That would be good. Because um, I also never remember who's what. Because I I remember the visual. Like there's the one of the like stone archer shooting an arrow through a machine. Oh yeah, that might be the De Laurentiis one. It may be. Yeah. Uh, or the is it Nelson? Uh, well, but the band. Yeah, they had their own. They made, put out some good movies. Yeah, uh, one was called Two Blonde Brothers, and uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, um, yeah, the uh, oh, when you were saying like the long uh, in the DGA, it's in the director's contract that they don't have to use the music that's in studio logos, so. Sometimes you'll see it where they drop out the sound of all of them and like a score is yeah. playing underneath it. That's because the... All directors get that? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, uh, I think I heard about it from Noah Baumbach because later he found out with one movie, he was like, oh, I didn't have to use their cheesy... He tells a funny story about this first movie was made by Trimark. Oh, yeah. And it, I didn't know this. It was called Trimark because it was like <laughs> Three started marks. by a guy named Mark. It was just like they did TriStar, but TriMark. What? I, I thought you were going to say it was like, why not try me as a movie maker? I'm as good as the next guy. I think guy. so. Basically. Oh, my try God. Mark. Oh just try Mark over here. <laughs> when did that director thing, was that like within the last decade or so? Because I do remember in Skyfall, you get the score starting with the production logo. And I feel like I don't recall that. Because MGM is just the line. Oh. And and Skyfall, I think, was Sony. Is Sony Columbia as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that you're getting that woman and you're just hearing the strings of, of the Bond. Yeah, I wonder when that became came into effect. Because I also wonder, like, the... I question the doing that. Because, like, a lot of times studio logos... <laughs> As long as they're talking about it, get like wallpapered over. So your oh, original, yeah. the studio logo isn't the studio logo. It will be 20 years. They right. keep adding new, like the new one in oh, front. Yeah, they get. So your music might end up going over a logo that wasn't the original logo. And it kind of like ruins the, yeah. the piece. Like if you want to just have the music you want it to be, you should just start it with the. I know like your, your score is like really delicate piano. And then Columbia is sold to this new studio where their logo is a guy playing like hard flying V guitar. 
and they just cut his audio and it's just twing, twing. yeah exactly yeah but they they wrote it for that beautiful torch lady but that was the only logo i had was the yeah new, i just thought pictures. that it was cool and yeah now that you mentioned that too it, it is weird in these old films when there's no sound on the production logos i always think my audio's down oh, same i same exact same thing happened yeah. i was like because i lower my volume you know to do those sync ups yeah. oh that's right so often i turn on my tv and i'm like the volume's down. oh because i was doing a sync up oh, so yeah i got one by the way what? for shark weeks to end shark weeks <gasps> i can give it now yes please um jaws oh my god this is just the first 80 minutes i'll try to find something that could maybe just restart the album we'll give you the last 40 minutes, the, the front half of the album. I'm, I'm on pins and needles as I always am with this. Okay. It is, um, you start, you start it with, uh, uh, when the movie starts, like, so when you start the movie before the universal logo even appears, you start this album. Okay. Uh, sign of the times by Prince. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, do that. Okay, I Especially will. if you're a big Prince fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know what? More than anything, I'm happy that this episode came full circle and there's not a dangling thread. I'll just leave it at that. The That's discerning, right. the discerning right. listener knows the what we're talking listener about. The discerning listener will... We'll leave it at that. Um, oh, my God. That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> Oh, and then uh, just one note that I forgot to mention before we did the um, Steven Spielberg considers this the best Jaws ripoff. I've heard of, that of the Jaws ripoffs, and they were going to sue this movie for some kind of like infringement on Jaws, which seems like a real yeah. far fetched case. And then, yeah. is it true that Spielberg saw it and went and really enjoyed it and said, "Leave him alone"? I mean, that's basically. what I heard, but I don't yeah. know. But he, I know he did say it's the best. Jaws ripoff, the yeah because Cruel Jaws next week has never been officially released because of the infringement of all that yeah. was like taken down. So this got close, I guess. And then Joe Dante directed Gremlins, and then or and then before that, a segment in the Twilight Zone movie, right. then Gremlins. So Steven Spielberg saw the movie and then hired him subsequently to direct movies. Okay, cool. Um, I guess it would be like. Um, it's sort of how like Paul McCartney was like into Badfinger. Yeah. Um, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I truly do. <laughs> it is funny. Um, I cr you cross paths sometimes with people who um, influenced you or something and they might like what you do, but it's like a funny, well, cause like uh, when we first crossed paths, like with Scott Ackerman, uh, Neil Campbell and I, he was just like, Oh, I love you guys write sketches. I love them. And we're like, cause we're ripping off Mr. Show sketches. Yeah. That like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. I was the same thing with Paul F. Tompkins and super ego. Like, wait, you want to do this? We're just doing what you guys did. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think that ever happens in um, baseball? <laughs> Nolan Ryan goes that kid has an arm <laughs> and then he's like well mr ryan you showed me how to pitch i'm just pitching like you throwing the ball and whatnot 
you're the only person I know what's done that. Oh, I was always so excited to get a Nolan Ryan card in my baseball <laughs> card pack. I briefly collected baseball cards, but it was only because my friends were. I had, my heart was not in it. Uh, there's a lot of, um, I think that <laughs> when you're yeah. a kid. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But hey, um, uh, there's probably some 11-year-old kid right now who's like, I actually like the British office better, but I want to fit in with my group of 11-year-old friends. <laughs> Kids, it's never too early to start building your own wall of defame. And that way you don't have to rail against somebody else for liking it. You can just know that it's on your wall of defame. You have your wall of fame and your wall of defame. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And those are the only options. That's it. Yep. And the wall of inflame, and I forget what that was. but <laughs> Now... I like the very beginning. I do too. I thought um, it was very modern, this like cold open that like yeah. just like grabs you. And very American werewolf in London vibes, just oh. like the moon and the the mist and the hikers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because The Howling, uh, Joe Dante's next movie came out the same year as an American werewolf in London. Uh. And I noticed like a lot of like werewolf trappings yeah. in this movie, full moons and stuff. And like, yeah, that first shot of like the babbling brook. It did. It it is like what I like about Joe Dante movies. It's like a little bit of artifice. Yeah, that's but true. Mixed in with some naturalism too. It's just yeah. like a nice combo that I really enjoy. Yeah, because yeah. it's not. I wouldn't say it was ever naturally lit because you're just getting like tree branches have the light right. aura behind them. It's more. It's like halfway to stylized, but low budget, so they can't go full yes. stylized, but it's yeah. still got its own kind of cool look. Yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. And, uh, uh, and, and it makes it winning, uh, to see like, or it, it's almost like, it's like a, um, a movie kind of doing like, a you know, movie in quotes. It's kind of like, yeah, this is, we know that, you know, this is a set. This is the fun of it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, which, yeah, you can't do in a big budget movie. You can't kind of be like, look at this junky CGI. Is it kind of funny? That <laughs> I know. It's on purpose. It's ironic. I never in a million years would have guessed a couple things about this movie. I had no idea there was a military element of like, oh. of this kind of mutation element. Yeah. We'll get to the government. Our, yeah. Okay. Our little lizard friend that comes and goes when we get there. We don't need to talk about that now, but that was like a <laughs> orca fetus moment for me of going, what's happening here? It is really bizarre. And yeah. it's like in the first 20 minutes of the movie. So yeah. by all accounts, anybody who's watching that movie would assume it's maybe about that little guy. There. I guess apparently though, that thing was supposed to return once, if not, twice and then be the big thing at the end that they fight oh but because of the budget they couldn't do it but it's crazy that they left that in it's such yes. a red herring yeah and it's so funny because it is kind of gremlin-y it's very gremlin it's very good it's yeah. just also very comedic it feels like um the movie caveman like that's what the that's exactly like the ray harryhausen style but the 80s version of it yes. there's like clash of the titans caveman and this oh, yep yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, that that whole lab, yeah, has like the jars with different colored liquid yes. and different monsters and different colored liquid that I think only exists yeah. in movie labs. Yeah. Um, then, uh, yeah, so the, um, 
that very opening when they're panning down like the wire fence yeah. and it says no trespassing. I do think that like when I watched it, I think that's like a, a, a Citizen Kane joke because like it starts with it panning oh. down like a fence and it says no trespassing. Oh, wow. Um, that would make sense from. Yeah. And it's yeah. like <laughs> such a funny thing to be like, this is like the Citizen Kane of Parada. There's movies. some strange, like the Moby Dick book that the woman's reading at the end is like, what is the point of that? I get it. It's a, it's a water-based thing, but still. Yeah. It, there's sometimes where references are made in a movie. I'm like, I know that Yeah, it's, there's parts of this like Moby Dick, but yeah. Yeah. It's not um, Orca. I mean, the, uh, when the, uh, video game shows up and it says jaw, I did like, we've talked about, I think when we talked about gremlins, but like, uh, Joe Dante's like philosophy of horror comedy is sort of like, well, when people watch horror movies, somebody in the audience usually makes a joke about it and makes fun of it. So you're just trying to get the joke before the audience can. And I thought of it when the Jaws video game come out, uh, like it's in the first scene of the opening after the prologue. It is a little bit like, we know it's a Jaws ripoff yeah. too. Like, yeah. don't worry. You can't get us on this. Like, yeah. uh, um, and then that opening, I thought the comparison to Jaws is funny that it's like in Jaws, it's like two strangers. One goes skinny dipping, but this is like, uh, a committed couple backpacking together, go skinny dipping. And she pushes him in and you're, you're, he's basically the audience. You're like, you're being pushed into this movie. Like just, just in, just get in it. Also, it's so, uh, uh, that pool, that whole facility is so gross looking. I know. It's not some place you'd immediately think to go skinny dipping in. No, it doesn't no. look like romantic. Do you know what it does look like? What that facility kind of reminds me of? What? Orly, remember when we did the podcast in the park that couple of times oh, in yeah. quarantine? Yeah. And at that little pool area, there was like a oh, yeah, fenced yeah, off yes, pool. That's right. Yeah. In my imagination, that's, that's where is this the Parada is. pool. Yeah. 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 We yeah. could have snuck in there and pulled a big lever down and Kevin McCarthy would have jumped out. <laughs> you would never go in there because you can see there are like steel mesh dividers. So obviously it's at, at the very least a hatchery of some kind and there'd Ugh. be like fish eggs and stuff in there. And I know when I heard it used to be a fish hatchery. Gross. Yeah. I just want to barf a thousand times at those words. Yeah. Fish hatchery. Ooh, it's just like a fish fuck fest. Yeah. Ew. I know. That's just all just fish ejaculates swimming around in there. Sorry. Claspers. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's like a, it's like a tick I have. I apologize. Claspers. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I want to focus on something that I have to hand it to these actors. Like there's nobody winning any acting awards in this movie, mm -hmm. but I just made me realize we've been watching a lot of shark movies and there is something to you're put in water as an actor and you're asked to act being, being eaten by a shark. And I think that that is something like everybody would kind of do the same thing. Imagine being an actor, put in a pool and go act like you're being nipped to death by tons and tons of piranha. And that poor main, the first guy, the actor that get, gets killed, yeah. and he's almost just doing these little, ooh, ah, ee, ah, ooh, ah, and just like, tick, he's just like convulsing. Walking on hot coals yeah. more than, uh, yeah. That would be so hard to do convincingly yeah. without feeling like a total idiot. Yeah, because you're right, when you're a, an actor in a shark movie, all you have to worry about is that one big chump. Yeah. And you go, oh! Yeah, and if anything, you just 
pull yourself down. You don't even have to make a face. You just get yanked down. But right with a piranha, you have to like, and the, uh, uh, so, and there were different reactions to how uh-huh. uh, there wasn't a, a uniform way that people no. like, um, there was uh, no piranha coach <laughs> piranha. Who do you think did the best? Uh, I thought Kevin McCarthy was pretty good. Yeah, he was piranha pretty good. Yeah. And his was the, um, I mean, we'll get to it. I, I don't know what he was expecting to happen, saving that boy on top of the canoe. I don't know what in his mind, how that was going to work. The only thing he could expect is what happened. Why did he do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that kid was doing just fine. Actually, he was. On top of that canoe. Yeah. And if they would have just gone by him, he would have been fine as well. Yeah. <laughs> All absolutely. he did was not go over the canoe. No, he just made things worse and killed himself in the process. <laughs> uh, this is a, yeah. Oh, and the woman also says, uh, what do you think I am? The creature from the black lagoon? I know. Um, the, Okay, so the um, we could do uh, maybe the logo of the title, Logo Loco. Good title. I love that. What it now? It, it's supposed to like, it kind of looks like it's in the reflection of water. Is that why it's doing its kind of little groove? Oh, I groove? guess so, yeah. Or is it supposed to be like the, the I, fish? I think it's like underwater. It's like, this was a normal font till we went underwater and then it got distorted. And then it just hits the water and the water bleeds red. Yeah. With that, optical effect. That was really cool. And so the movie starts with red water and then ends with red water. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Uh, red water. Red water. Rita. Damn. I'm not afraid. Yeah. Everything's okay at this hotel. I have a, a weird kid. That's it. I guess I'll go write my novel that is different sentences. I do like that the logo looks like the one on the poster. Yeah, that um, poster is cool. Yeah. and But I also like when a movie... Have you ever gone to that? Where the uniformity is off? Oh, or yeah. you'll see like the poster title font. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Like, uh, Men in Black was that way. Oh, like really? Men in Black, it's like the posters, it's big solid lettering. And then when they go in, it's kind of like a Dr. Strange Love font where it's like uh, just single handwritten, like oh. it looks like it's all squeezed in together. And I remember it like threw me off the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that's like, guys, weird. get your fonts together. Yeah, it's, you know, Raiders was one way, <sighs> and then Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yep, you're right. At least the titles were. the. I think the poster always had. The big red and yellow letters, but but in the when you're watching the beginning of Raiders, it is that like it's like white and gray. Yeah, of, yeah, and then they go back to that for Last Crusade. They do, yeah, and I think Crystal Skull as well. So Temple of Doom was a, but it's my favorite. I know the, that logo yeah. when she's standing in front of it. Yeah, it's so good. Um, the uh, um, yeah, that's maybe the only. That's the most fitting. Indiana Jones movie to do that title treatment. I think so. Because if it had been Last Crusade and like the Boy Scouts are like going through the A and Crusade, it would be a little weird. Yeah. And I believe Dan Aykroyd insisted on it. <laughs> I get to go pee on you. Oh yeah, I'll do a pee on you. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> we'll be back. With Corley and Rast. With Corley Now, I first, uh, when they, she's sending off at the bus station or the airport or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought she was going to be an investigative reporter. Oh. Not a skip tracer. 
that is a term I have heard before. And it's crazy. Just uh, maybe even 24 hours ago, it came into my mind. Oh, and I went, skip trace. What does that mean? And then didn't look it up. And then, ah! it, so skip trace was just a missing persons investigator. I guess so. But it's, it's interesting that you don't hear it. You hear bounty hunter and you throw a rock and you're going to hit the word bounty hunter. But is a bounty hunter, isn't that always chasing someone notorious who skipped bounty? Oh, yeah. They are different. I'm just saying, like, as a plot uh, point, throw some skip tracers in there every once in a while. They don't always have to be bounty hunters. Yeah. You can just... Yeah, good point. Yeah. Just make it a missing person. Skip trace is the process of locating a person's whereabouts. A skip tracer is someone who performs this task, which may be the person's primary occupation. The term skip refers to the person being searched for and is derived from the idiomatic expression to skip town, meaning to depart, leaving minimal clues behind to trace the skip to a new location. Whoa. Oh, they're tracing how somebody skipped town. Skip tracer. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She's a skip tracer. I want to be a skip tracer. Yeah, they should make the Mandalorian a skip tracer. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, I was just reading on a, like a true crime Reddit thread, uh, unresolved mystery, uh, mysteries, unresolved mysteries. This is a really good. So, but, uh, really? it was like, a um, a couple people shared stories about they thought a family member was dead and then 30, 40 years later, they find this person. This happened twice, two stories about this. That person actually abandoned the family, then started sundowning. And what sundowning mean? Uh, uh, started, um, uh, Oh, like they either had Alzheimer's oh or my God. Uh, were just growing older, and then the person didn't want to take care of them. And so the person who knew, I know this guy, he abandoned this family. I'm not going to take care of him. They just like dropped the person off. The person has no memory now of them abandoning the family. And the family's like, I guess you weren't dead now, <sighs> but you are going to be soon. So now we have to take care of you. Isn't that such a. Uh, mind F. Uh, life can be brutal. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So maybe uh, I'm just saying if some skip tracers had done their job, a yeah. family wouldn't have to be going through this. Yeah. Much. Maybe yeah. if some skip tracers hadn't skipped a day of work. Yeah. <laughs> Gone out for that pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Never come back. Um, so then um, after she goes off um, to, to, to find the, the, that first couple. Yeah. Um, uh, then you meet, right, the guy Jack in his Hawaii sh- Hawaiian shirt. He sold plastic fruit, they said, for a living. <laughs> and then he, he kind of goes, he's, he's a little rhapsodic about the river. Yeah, I mean, this is basically the same premise as the movie Pig up to this point. Oh, I haven't seen Pig. Well, so. there's just a guy living out in the wilderness and then another guy, his only contact, bringing him shit. <laughs> that's how Pig starts. It's not a spoiler. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. like a... Um, and uh, so did you, for a moment, think you were watching Pig? I did. Pig, <laughs> pig nyanya. I mean, who knows what that guy's making in that lab? <laughs> that's true. That's true. They get pig on you. And then the um, right that we beat the the main character. Uh, um, what's his name? Is it Paul? No. Paul. I think it is Paul. Or no, is Paul one of the missing the missing guy? Yeah. Um, dang it. 
Um, I can look it up here. When she, um, when they meet, uh, they say, oh, Maggie meets Paul. Yes. Okay, yeah. So Maggie's the, yeah, the skip tracer. Paul Grogan, Maggie McCowan. McEwen. Now, I like Paul's look of the flannel shirt tucked into jeans. And those are jeans. some jeans. What'd you think about those jeans? Tight up top, loose on the bottom, but not bell bottom. Still kind of somehow tapered and baggy, but tight up top. I mean, that's not easy to pull off. No, but he pulls it off. He's somehow wearing 90s jeans in the 70s. It's impressive. <laughs> Good work. Yeah. She's a skip tra- tracer. He's a time traveler. <laughs> uh, sartorially. Is that how you would pronounce it? Sartorially? Sartorially. Yeah. Um, Jean-Paul Sartorially. <laughs> <laughs> That's who this guy is. Yeah. Now, this guy's an interesting actor, huh? Yeah. And an interesting choice. I I think I read that he wasn't the first choice someone else dropped out. Okay. Which makes a little more sense. Not not disparaging this guy. I look at his credits and he's generally a television actor. And I think, yeah, like he would be really good on an episode of Dynasty where he comes in as a a heel for an episode. But for a movie like this where he, he seems to be trying to pull a kind of Han Solo... Like vibe. a roguish yeah. kind of vibe, yeah. What else has he been in? Um, well, he's he's Captain McKay in The Enforcer with Clint Eastwood, and he's Captain Briggs in Sudden Impact with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Wait, the dirty, hairy people didn't care. Like, he showed up on set, he's like, I guess I'm a different character. How can that be? <laughs> That's weird. Maybe there's an in-universe explanation for how that guy's last Maybe name. he changed his name. He's also in Escape from Planet of the Apes, but those are really the only big movies he's in. Then it's a ton of TV. Love Boat. Matt Houston. Solid. Hey. Um, Yeah, he... um, he, he, The Dynasty thing is spot on, because he does kind of have this, like, soap... Yeah. Soapy quality. Like, before he filled his canteen... Um, to, with more booze, he was like, he kind of shook it to hear the little thing. You know, yeah. And then he walked off to fill it up. But I'm like, that is <laughs> an actor indicating like so hard for, to let people know why he's doing things. That's not typical. It's like, did you hear that? It's yeah. empty. He you know, it's little... in your hand. You know how it is. <laughs> I know. He had a lot of little verbal like, oh, and oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. Both both these two leads, I think, were the weakest thing about the movie for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I'm trying to imagine, like, who at the time at, at this level could have played that? Yeah, well, Dee Wallace is in The Howling, like, three oh, years see, later. She would have been amazing. So she would have been a great... Imagine you got young... When was the King Kong remake, the Dino Dealer? I think 78, the same year as this. So, like, that was kind of put Jeff Bridges on the map. He was doing cool indie stuff before that. Yeah. But imagine, I, he probably was too big for this. But no, imagine, but then, yeah, that's good. That's good. Or Bo Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> Any Br- Lloyd Bridges. I take yeah. Lloyd Bridges. Jesus, I take London Bridges. Um, yeah, but, and I liked her. Um, even the actress is good, but the the character as written, I thought was really great. Yeah, this, this kind of like spunky. Uh, I know spunky is like a bad word to describe like a female character. She's got spunk, but yeah. like that, that this, this, no, like or like a his yeah. girl Friday sort of thing. Yeah, like, uh, uh, it was like one of those things that I'm like, 
a studio movie wouldn't be writing her. This is like right. one of the benefits of a low budget movie is they get to zag instead of zig here and there. And like having a character like that, I, I, I did enjoy. Yeah. I was reading something about how when the guy that played Paul came on board, he thought the character was two dimensional. And so he went to sales and said, I need more for this. And sales. Oh, was- TWO dimensional, not two dimensional. Yeah, T- not T-O-O. the number two. Yeah, no, this is two dimensional. I need you to. Uh, this is a Roger Corman flick for fuck's sake. I know I can't have depth, but that sales said something like, you know, the actors are never good enough, so I never write detailed characters. So, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm excited you want to do that. Here's some more meat to this role, but that's funny. It's not like yeah. the, either of these people are bad necessarily. It's just there really just seems like a missed opportunity in chemistry here. That's just not happening. Yeah. Cause it seems like it could all be there if they wanted to. Yeah. This would be a killer low budget movie. If these two roles were really yeah. knocked out of the park, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 Uh, cause yeah, everything else is, uh, I feel like at, at its best that it can do. Yeah. But with the act, those two characters, I don't necessarily think that those, yeah. Um, the uh uh when you mentioned the Roger Corman of all like uh hey we're in a Roger Corman movie uh that that made me think of I think he does have some rule that it's like every ten minutes needs to have nudity or violence or a car crash. Clearly. I like the yeah. beginning when she skinny dipped, I was like, yeah. okay, that's he as a producer who's like put that in the first scene and then 10 minutes later, there's a car crash, Jeep that, crash, yeah. a Jeep crash that doesn't really need to happen. But <laughs> I wonder if Dino De Laurent is the same thing. Cause the Orca has that weird car crash. Oh yeah. Well, we talked about how like Dino De Laurentiis was like the, maybe the more, uh, many of the Roger Corman. Yeah. Mold. Bigger aspirations too. So it's funny that, yeah, we followed this up with, uh, an actual Roger Corman. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, the um, right the bizarre setup of a woman and man having a long walk to the testing <laughs> facility. Pool looks like the one we recorded next to a couple times. I wrote down. <laughs> um, yeah, and then they go into that lab. Mm-hmm. We talked about the little gremlin stop motion gremlin. Yep. Um, oh, and all the little monsters and the creatures and the guy walking around. I thought they were all cute. They were cute. That was what was so weird yeah. and comedic. I wrote, never in a million years did I expect this. Well, because, yeah, you weren't even expecting the government testing facility no, of it all. I thought this was like just regular river piranha. Yeah. Or at the very most, like kind of like the Meg, like they've unearthed some prehistoric version of yeah. piranha that's proliferating or something or propagating. And I haven't seen the remake of piranha, but I think that's the premise of the new oh, maybe that's piranha remake that. is the like prehistoric piranha have been released. I did see that in the yeah. theater. Yeah. Um, which I liked about the Meg. I, I like yeah. the releasing a prehistoric creature. Me too. That's good. And this is a, is a good, like what, how I kicked what I first said about piranha about when an underdog movie scores better than when a studio like comparing this to the Meg and to um Deep Blue Sea it's like Deep Blue Sea is the good version of a like a bigger budgeted with movie yes. stars yeah execution of a B type 
idea and the Meg was like the bat like the worst we part. now have yeah. three kind of like yeah the low budget version that succeeds the big budget version that succeeds and then the big budget version that doesn't succeed have we had the low budget that version that doesn't succeed i mean in a way oh open water I w- yeah i wouldn't yeah. i would say that actually does succeed at what it's trying to do i just didn't love what it was trying to do right but maybe Cool Jaws. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get that. I mean, there's no way that succeeds. It will be really fun in a different yes. way, but yeah. Yeah, but there's no way that that movie is like, yeah. Yeah, and I think it knows like, that. That was a perfect film. Oh my God. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, they're telling us in the title, it's going to be a cruel experience. <laughs> um, and then uh, Kevin McCarthy pops out when they're going to, he's like, don't yeah. do it. Yeah. And I like it. He's right. Yeah. When you think about it later, you're going like, oh, these people are the... Now, I did think this was a choice. This idea of the government made them, but it's citizens who get the plot in motion by making the mistake of... Like, it's a little more complex than yeah, just... I yeah, I liked it. And I liked the, the premise that they engineered them to fight the Viet Cong through the rivers of Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, that was great. I did not expect any of this kind of backstory for sure. Yeah. Well, I think this is, that's a lot of, um, uh, John sales. Yeah. Uh, he wrote the howling and alligator at the same time. Interesting. And, uh, I think John sales is like the coolest. Cause what he would do is he would write these monster movies he would get the payday from them, and then he would use them to make his little "I Have Feelings" independent movies. Like what are what are those? Uh, so he did the the Return of the Seacus uh, Seacus Seven, yeah, which is a um, beat uh, the Big Chill to the Friends reuniting, uh-huh. um, uh, beat them to the punch of that premise, which now is like its own yeah. subgenre movie. He created that. Um, and then, uh, like, later when he was writing and directing his own stuff, he did, like, Eight Men Out. That's right. Um, and then, like, the movie Lone Star. Uh, um, I think Passion Fish, maybe, too? Yeah. Uh, let me check up Passion Fish. I could be wrong. Um, but uh, he also, I mean, I think he does that. Uh, also because um, uh, he did The Brother from Another Planet. Uh, yep, Passion Fish. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all indie movies, I think. But um, he also, if you watch The Howling and Alligator, uh, they are about like something. You, you, I do think Joe Dante and John Sales are like lefties who grew up being hippies or counterculturists like it. and so then yeah it's like uh i mean a lot of um joe dante's movies or john sales movies i think are kind of about like conspicuous consumption or like greed and yeah. how greed ruins everything for everybody what hath man wrought yes. films is what i wrote down here yeah okay that, this is like is up there with godzilla this one really yeah you know? right right and like yeah saying that it was developed for vietnam yeah. uh makes it pretty clear what the how the yeah. movie feels about things uh but um yeah i just um 
uh, and he's still doing it. He's still writing scripts. He, um, I have like, I can't prove it, but I have a feeling he must have wrote a draft of Gremlins because there's a lot uh, of like, uh, Chris Columbus didn't write many other scripts that like could kind of be taken in like a political realm, and I do think like. I Joe wonder. Dante had done two movies with John Sayles. I have to imagine That's a he was like good you. theory. Yeah, and he was writing stuff for Amblin at the time. He wrote um, a movie that was about uh, aliens attacking a family on a farm, and some of that. Uh, and he was going to write a Jurassic Park movie about weird genetically engineered dinosaurs that are like become mutant. Like you can look online and read what his premise of a bonkers Jurassic Park movie that... That seems like the seed of that is definitely in this with that lab. Yeah. Because that's obviously is some kind of... Those creatures were like semi-dinosaur. Right. And it is funny how they like when they were nibbling and stuff, that is like a very gremlinsy kind yeah. of thing. And the way that that sound they would make. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh. And that... I, when the piranha noise of them attacking, I was like, that sounds like a small electric motor. That's really weird. And then I looked it up and it was a dental drill that they oh, really? that sound. Yeah. Good ear. <laughs> Cause what that must just have some distinctive, like, I hate this. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. I thought it was just the high pitched, like how, but th- what a weird thing to make for an underwater group of vicious killers, a dental yeah. drill. Yeah. A high-pitched dental drill. I wonder if this yeah, movie was like... Thank God nobody really knows how a piranha sounds. Like these shark movies, people get on it when they growl. Yeah. But a uh, piranha could just make a weird nibbling sound. We're the ghoulies. We're piranha. We're the piranha. I just saw this. I didn't... I know they made a remake of this movie, you know, a decade or so ago. But did you know they made a 1995 TV version that is a direct remake of this? No. Yeah. Even Mila Kunis is in it. She must have been really young. William, what year? William Cat, 95. William Cat William Cat. Paul Grogan. I bet William Cat just took the part because he was like, meow. Fish everywhere, meow, meow. <laughs> William likes meow, meow. <laughs> Pet me and I'll do it. <laughs> and like the plot Pet is Mark. virtually the same. Oh, Soleil Moon Fries in it? Ooh. With that last name, I want to want to be around fish. Fish fry. <laughs> Leland Orser. I'll bet you he gets killed. Who's Leland Orser? He's the guy who gets killed in. He gets killed in every movie. He's always the pathetic guy. He's been in a few of ours. He's oh, from Seven. Seven. Yeah, the one that gets the scissors or whatever. Yeah, we said. Yeah, Seven and Alien Resurrection. He plays the panicky yes, guy who doesn't like things inside him. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Who does? Or things best with his body. Yeah. What a yeah, weirdo. most people don't. Yeah. Um, the uh, Most people don't like having an alien inside their body. I have come to believe. Tell that to my wife. Um, we're having, oh, yeah. We're the having po- an alien. <laughs> the political thing was um, kind of like the government and capitalism are should not be bedfellows. Like... I did like it. Yeah. It was like, I worked at a smelting operation. It was closed down by the government army, then sold it to a resort. And he said, so, you know, someone is making a bundle, yeah. which, Hey man, I'm always going to click in with those ethos of oh, a movie. Man. When a movie has that kind of like 
attitude. I love it. I do too, but this Red Dawn re-education camp really got to you, man. Well, I did think when you said, like, when, uh, the communist movie, I was like, eh, Parada worked on me. I know, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it is it is nice when such a, what seems like a fluffy movie actually has some good little thought behind it. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, his John Sayles movies and Joe Dante's movies do bear that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, John Sayles also does has an acting role in Joe Dante's movie, uh, Matinee, with John oh, Goodman. I've never seen that. Is that good? Uh, it's awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, it sort of good. capped off my Dante movie. Like it was the last one I hadn't seen before when I did watched his movie. When you did your Dante's week. <laughs> Maybe that's what we have to do. Next. That's good. Dante's, Dante's week. Uh, uh, it's really good. And it has a similar, um, John Goodman says to a kid at the end, um, I'll get the quote wrong, but it, it's like, don't let grown-ups get you down. They're all faking that they know what they're doing. Uh, and I, I do like, I, yeah. that's such a nice message to put in a movie and like for kids to see and yeah, stuff. Even yeah. Even when you're a grown-up, it's nice to, to know that. Yes. And that you can also realize <laughs> you don't have to take things so seriously because you're faking it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. Um, but, uh, and then came the thing where she said, I was trying to get under the covers with you. Yeah. We didn't know what that meant. No. She has a line delivery when she, oh, no, no, never mind. I'm talking about when they're in the prison. Sorry. What does she say? Uh, oh. It's just when she knocks out that guard. I thought I wrote this. I thought it was oh, when oh. the doctor got knocked out. But Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. He's knocked out, but he's alive. <laughs> And it reminded me of Catherine O'Hara's delivery and waiting for Guffman when she's acting, you know? Oh, the UFO. Uh, oh, it's just, oh, it's so amazing. Dun, 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 dun. It's going to be a sight for sore eyes. This much I can tell you. It's something like that. Yeah, no, Leslie, my wife, Leslie, when she wants to reference bad acting, She'll go now. I'm. It's. I'm reminded. She'll go. It'll be a sight for the sorry eyes. Yeah. Oh, Oh, it's the perfect. uh, um, Yeah, I remember when I would go to like local theater when I was a kid. I'd be like, "Why is everybody talking like this? It is so weird." I know, and you still see it in musical theater. Yeah, and then in junior high when we had to do monologues, people always did the bit of southern accent. Really? Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, it'd be like. Mama's asking me, or it'd be like, mother's asking me to be a babysitter again. <laughs> like, it's just everybody did it. Living <laughs> life in the Bronx. <laughs> Southern I'm, lawyer. Oh, I'm a Bowery boy to the core. <laughs> There's the Statute of Liberty again. Oh, oh, Brooklyn Bridge, I will not jump off of you for I am... Uh, I live in a brownstone. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> oh my god. Um, the uh, then we get over to the camp. Yeah, we meet these kids. Now and we meet this head counselor, the Morty from Meatballs. Yeah, uh, Paul from the actor Paul Bartel. Yeah, Usual uh, Suspects. That's what I remember him from. Yeah, I, you know, uh, my mom was pretty cool. I gotta say, it was pretty cool. When I was like 
10 or 11, she saw that eating Raul was going to be on USA. And she was like, you should watch this. I think you'd like this. Oh, and I watched I've eating Raul and I loved it. And uh, Paul Bartel wrote and directed it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he wrote and directed a few movies and he pops up in a lot of Roger Corman stuff. Uh, in the same way that John Sayles is cool. Paul Bartel is so cool. He was, um, uh, he was gay and out and he was like, I want to make movies. I want to be an artist, want to be creative, but I want to be out. I can't be out making these middle of the road studio movies. So I'm going to just hang out in the new world oh, pictures that's world awesome. and I'll be out and I'll make the movies I want. It's just, I do like this, like everybody marching to the beat of their yeah. own drum sort of quality. Of these I, things. I yeah. do too. There is a, a roving band of troop players to Corman's universe. Yeah. That, feels like well we may not maybe we can't make films like the big league boys maybe we yeah. don't even have the talent right but we also don't want to be there because yeah. they don't necessarily want us so let's yeah. do our thing there is a misfit rebellious energy about corman that i really respect you yeah know? and that uh, typically the characters are like um kind of goof written a little goofily yeah or, or kind of it's the same um it's like a there's like a the canon group like makes low budget movies that are like um people are pieces of shit yeah. and you're a piece of shit yeah. we're gonna all watch these pieces of shit but yeah. like roger Kerwood, they're just sort of like life loving yeah yeah and i this movie pulled off something that when you see it in a movie, I love it. It's always a little thing. And it's this guy, I forget his name, the head counselor. The uh, Paul Bartel. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What his character is, but yeah, the stern counselor. I mean, he's an asshole throughout the whole movie, his character. He's, he's mean to everyone basically. <laughs> but then the last thing you see of him is him just staying behind in the water and helping kids up. And I love when a when an asshole in a movie becomes like a helper oh yeah in a crisis and it just makes you feel like doesn't matter who's an asshole when it really comes down to humanity some people still have it that's you, beautiful you feel really good about yeah, it yeah yeah i missed that i didn't i would have liked to have oh there's uh, a couple shots of oh him after gosh. he's been attacked by piranha he gets to the edge of the water and he stays in and he's helping he's lifting kids out of the water oh my god yeah. wow a little uh, um uh, Redemption. Yeah. yeah. Like the extreme version of it, I think for me is the character of Al Swearingen in Deadwood, where in the first season, he's basically the villain. And then he becomes the show over the show's arc. He's still a despicable person, but he's our despicable oh. person. You know? Like he's our, he's our sinister guy. He's, he's on. Cause he's fighting our. Yeah. Um, they team up with the side. people you're with, you know, and, and he's so charismatic too like that's another performance speaking of charisma that is just Man. incredible to me what if it that had been burt reynolds couldn't have done it he couldn't have done no it. it's sad to say oh, maybe, it, he maybe doesn't have the he just necessary darkness yeah especially when he was younger i think he's too gotta be too dashing and when he's older he just doesn't he's so guarded when he's older he can't do vulnerable you know, like maybe a little bit in Boogie Nights they got him to, but that yeah. seemed like a lightning in a bottle. Yeah. The vulnerable thing is a good point. Yeah. Uh, because maybe that's where the the light gets lost. Yeah. Because I think people generally are great actors if they're sort of 
vulnerable to the world and are open to it. Yeah. But then something happens when, I guess, when you're a megastar, people start taking little piranha-like bites out of you. And so then Burt Reynolds loses that vulnerability, but then he loses it in his performances. It's a tragedy. And you can tell, like, when he's older that he's just so guarded and sensitive and... I think really defensive. He he's just a, it was a really defensive older man. I saw a really defensive move once. I think he was on Donnie Hugh. It was like a daytime talk show, and they had the cast of Evening Shade on. Uh, and they asked a kid in the audience. God, it would be amazing if this clip was on YouTube because I remember it. But it was like they ask a kid in the audience, "Do you watch Evening Shade or something?" And the kid says no. And everybody laughs in the audience and on the thing, except Burt Reynolds, who starts going, well, of course he doesn't. We're, we're up against a, a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He's watching that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so that's when it's Bert, yeah. easy, buddy. Because when he was on like guest host on Carson, he was so self-deprecating. And a lot of jokes went at his expense. And he would just laugh it off. Maybe inside he was seething. But it seems like I read his autobiography. Oh. <laughs> it's really something. Well, and then to compare it to when he's on Leno and he has that crazy thing with Mark Summers. Yes, exactly. Which yeah. is all defensive. Yeah. And- it seems that his breakup with Lonnie Anderson changed him. Mm. And he went through that and also getting hit really hard with a chair on the set of city heat that gave him a jaw issue that then like gave him chronic nerve pain for the rest of his life. And everybody thought he had AIDS. I've heard about the, yeah, I started trying to watch city heat once and it was so abysmal. I'm sure. Uh, but wow. So maybe, yeah, a, a combination of that chair thing is interesting because that is kind of like, when he started cashing checks, that's like when he's doing like yeah. stroke or ace and stuff. Yes. Which he that. turned down terms of endearment to do stroke or ace because he was working with Lonnie Anderson. He was going to play the Jack Nicholson role in terms of endearment. Oh no, Bert. <laughs> so what happened with him and Lonnie? He just, I can't, they I broke each other's hearts. Yeah. He just, who knows why she, like, I think I've only read his story and it vilifies her, but he might not have been the best guy and she needed to get out of there. But for whatever reason, it really soured him. And then I think probably because he was the like paragon of virility, the fact that someone would suggest he had AIDS too is probably Um, something that his ego couldn't handle at that time because he would have been perceived as, as gay. And there's been some, uh, a fair amount of Hollywood gossip that he Mm -hmm. was gay. Mm Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah. It's those, those rumors, but you could see that if he was closeted, especially he would have been like so sensitive about it and, yeah. and bitter. And cause he was just Mr. Masculine all through, he was a stunt man first. And you know, yeah. yeah. I mean that, um, that's all really astute. The, uh, or, uh, the, the, um, the, um, thing I was thinking of when you were saying that is like, I, that scene in, um, Boogie Nights when him and Dirk get into it and the story is that that was like a very close to reality, like kind of capturing like, you know, I don't know, you said like a, a moment that was happening between them. But that scene is all about who's the true star here. And Mark Wahlberg is like saying to Burt Reynolds face, like, I have the big dick. You don't. So like when you were saying like, oh, virility and the question of his yeah. virility might be a, a, a thing for Burt Reynolds. I know. But that whole scene is what's brilliant about it. It's like Dirk Diggler, he's 
he's coked up and he can't get an erection. Yeah. So he's the guy who's like being uh, defensive. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, uh, I was going to say something like Burt Reynolds is dead. And, uh, it was going to be like, I was going to say something pat like, well, maybe he's up there racing cars, but like, that's like what those terrible obituary cartoons, I hate them oh, God. so much when like Harold Ramis died and the three Ghostbusters are standing at his grave and his ghost is coming. I'm like, oh. in what world is that oh. reverential? To no. And no, yeah, the way they're always composed in those things and like the they're heads sad. down and there's just, there's like one little piece of text floating in negative space. And I hate those. Hate those too. so much what were the there oh it was when mel blanc died that's how they started yes, and all, all the, the characters or, reverentially like around them lowered. there was a mic in a spotlight and their heads were lowered and it said speechless Ugh. now that was the first one so i'll, I'll get and and <laughs> mel blanc is mel yeah, blanc. yeah yeah i'll give it that but I, oh it launched I, you, a thousand shits this the other shits it launched <laughs> And I hate this so much. Maybe you only see it in Los Angeles. It's going up on the wall like of billboards. Well, it's a billboard thing, so it's already up on the wall of defame. De okay. Uh, not really, but uh, when TV shows end and they'll show just a simple picture of the cast bowing for the oh. final season. What is on, what is up right Seinfeld now? does it, which is like kind of anti-Seinfeld, uh, yeah. like to kind of do something reverential like that. But I remember I saw it with Will and Grace oh. and I wanted to drive my car off the road. I was so <laughs> angered by Take like, down the do you think, well, oh, let's put this on the wall of defame. Curtain calls. I hate, 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 <laughs> hate, hate curtain calls. I hate them as an actor. Oh, you mean like even in the theater? Yes, <laughs> I do too. And so the fact that they're doing it on billboards enrages me because I hate the real thing. I hate it as an audience member and I loathe it as an actor. What do you feel about the like the I Return get, of the Jedi tableau kind of? Oh, I love that. <laughs> Good for them because they're not breaking the fourth wall. That's why I like it. They're getting their cake and eating it too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Gorley. I wish actors didn't have to, when I'm doing a play, it bums me out yeah. that a play would end with this. You know yeah. why I hate it. Yeah. What do you need that for? Yeah. I've never, never thought about that before. And you make a hundred percent. It's the sense. most like, cause I haven't done a play in self, so long. Uh, like why yeah. do you need, we already know the, I already know the fact that I'm on stage is because I'm desperate for adoration. Yeah. We have to underline this as the last moment of play. Also, as a playwright, doesn't that kind of piss people off? It's like, walk out of the theater with that, like the last moment of the play yeah. buzzing around in your head and giving you feelings. I never have thought about that before. That is absolutely right. I got into an argument once in college once because when I was getting the curtain call, I wasn't taking big enough proud bows and an actor like was like, no. That's what we worked for. We worked to get to that moment. Like, you're not helping the case. This is why I don't like it, because you think you are owed it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So, anyway, when it was on the Willow Grace billboard, it drove me crazy. <laughs> or when I see it on the Seinfeld, like, DVD, box, like, the promotional pictures. Yeah, I remember when I was in college and we would do plays, there were two schools. There was the come out in... Um, reverse order of important or importance. So you would start with the bit players would come out, take also their bow, usually it. in a line. Yep. And then 
there was the like growing supporting characters. Hierarchy and then you get of to, yeah, applause. And you get to the leads. And then there was a politic political element of of that. I remember we were doing Romeo and Juliet and it was separating does Mercutio go before Romeo and Juliet because it was a, a whole performance it was crazy and wow. then then there were like the kind of more progressive directors who would just have the whole cast come out in a line take a bow and leave mm-hmm. and i remember at the time thinking well this isn't how you do curtain calls but you're absolutely right you know oh well yeah the hierarchy thing of uh yeah the escalating applause yeah. because you're you um, memorized more lines yeah <laughs> Uh, I saw you more. You talked more at me than yeah. the other people. The, 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 um, and the, the part I love about that is the upending of the hierarchy when the third to last person gets the biggest yeah. applause because everybody's like, I, that was, that was the, person. That was the best yeah. performance. We love them. And then the two actors afterwards, have to, it would happen to Piranha. Yeah. If Piranha oh, yeah. was a play. Kevin McCarthy would oh, come yeah. out and we'd be like, yes. Yep. And then the two leads yeah. would come out and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys do this on closing night? The, the lead, usually the lead actor would come out with a bouquet of flowers and then you'd bring the director up and give the flowers to the director. You guys did. <laughs> Look on your face. I've seen that done before. I yeah. hate it. Yeah. I hate it all. It's awful. I'll never curtain call again. People need this. No. They need. I thought the people were real the whole time until the <laughs> actors came out and let me what know about, they were performing. What about the ones where they they all come out, they bow front, and then they all in choreograph move it turn to like the left of the house and then Ugh. bow and then turn to the right of the all house. Oh, it's bow. gross. Or they'll even be an understood rehearsed version where then, then they've done a curtain call and they leave and then they come back out for a second. Yes. Like you, you've built in the fact that you think you're going to get double the insult and to encore injury. to your curtain call. Boo. Encores are bad enough. Yes. That's another thing. Oh, let's oh, not do encores. The formality of the yeah. unearned. Uh, I mean, we did our show yeah. and when I came out, I was like the phony encore. Cause I was so like, I don't, I know. Yeah. I, I, I used any to, sort of showbiz. Well, but what you do, because there's a convention to it. I remember my old band used to, we used to say, this is our last song. Wink, wink. Yeah. And then we're going to do one more and that's the encore. And we would just not leave stage. You know, we'd just say, let's, let's all pretend this didn't happen. Or I, happened. Yeah. That is great. I, yeah. I like bands when they do the yeah. wink, wink. Um, the, it uh, reminds me of, did I, I think I might've told this, that my sister, when I saw Smashing Pumpkins in concert and I told her about the concert, my oldest sister, Amy, did me the like biggest, sweetest solid in the world, which is like, she didn't pop my balloon when I was telling her about how the encores worked. Oh. I was like, Amy, we all thought they finished their set, but we kept cheering and other people joined and we, they were cheering. The band came out again. We brought Tinkerbell to life. <laughs> they played out the song. And then the fact I was like, and a double encore. Like they, I was so, oh, I thought this was that's very a thing that was organically her. happening. My sister would have been like, you dipshit, it's an encore. I, my first concert, the Scorpions, I got out to leave going like, guess they're not going to play Rocky like a hurricane. <laughs> and then the lights go down and the whole lights turned into a giant scorpion. They transformed and I went, (gasps) that is awesome. What a great band to have as your first experience on the first encore. Uh, The, uh, 
But, Would, but the, the falseness of that, as if scorpions are going to come all the way from Germany to California and go, good night, we're done. We never played Rocky like a hurricane. Yeah. It's, it's so... The assumption What that a weird thing we all buy into. The only time I ever heard it, um, I think I said upended already, so sorry, I'm going to say it again, was I read a review Candy of Man. an... Oh, what? Candyman. Candyman. That's four. <laughs> oh boy, no. That's two upends and four... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh my gosh what was i just talking uh 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 upended oh sorry no it's okay no oh uh, no we gotta know no 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 it was no. concert related it came oh. off scorpions uh uh oh rolling stone wrote a review of an oasis concert Ooh. where it, it one of the sentences was they did not give it an encore and one was not asked for <gasps> Like the concert was so bad, the band knew. But like, if the Scorpions knew that, and they were just like, "Ooh, that was bad. We're not doing an encore." Then you wouldn't get your "Rock Me Like a Hurricane." Yeah. Um, so there's a danger, and maybe. Yeah. Uh, but um, the um, when we you were talking about the reverse curtain call, mm-hmm. the thing uh, that's happens in not daily life because I'm not on an elevator daily, but I don't like the reverse sussing out of the hierarchy of who gets to go first. It's kind of this like weird, oh, interesting, antiquated holdover of like etiquette, but it sort of like does the business of reestablishing the patriarchy every time Yeah, because it always ends with the oldest or, or not the oldest, because sometimes the oldest gets oh, yeah. out first. The, the just, most hale, straight, white male yes. gets the final encore. Gets the like, final, like, yes. <laughs> the king is here. All of you go out. I am the shepherd to all of you. It's just such a... And everybody does it. You're in an elevator with five other people, and everybody mentally does the, who's the lowest here? They go out first. There's no, even an element them. of, like, there's a danger that this captain might go down with his ship if I don't get out in time for this elevator doors and I might end up on another floor but I will risk that for you That's the people so funny. yeah he's White. like holding the doors open get out, out. Oh, boulders dropping oh, he's holding up with his oh, back wait till you see crawl <laughs> I can't wait I'm just gonna say remember oh uh, 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 someone holding a boulder door open Oh, this is already and a I'll further movie. add that that when I say someone, I mean a cyclops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. One rock for the one eye. You seems like it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm with you on curtain calls. However, I will say this: that I would have loved a curtain call in this movie because that would have been special. Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, but they come out like the Paul guy comes out still in in eaten makeup. Yeah, it's like the um, the goodbyes on SNL when you see like people still in the last. Oh sketch yeah, yes, it. yeah. I love it. I would love it. Like if every movie had to do a curtain call where they are in the state that they ended the movie. Yes. In. Like you're not allowed to get out of makeup till you do the curtain call. So, yeah. like even if someone dies in the first scene, like Alfred Molina in Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, has to come out with a spike through his head. <laughs> that's really good. Um, and Tote comes out all melted. <laughs> And Belloc is just a uh, body without a head. <laughs> he comes out holding like chunks of head. <laughs> <laughs> and throws them to the audience. <laughs> we, do, we do a new one every night. It's okay. 
That's what a curtain call should be. Yeah. Actors coming out and throwing food out to the audience and saying, thank you for coming to our shitty play. I know. Jesus. (laughs) Also, I know the elevator thing is, it's complicated because it's also polite. Yes. And I wouldn't go, no, we're doing something antiquated. So I'm going out first. Yeah. That's, that's, it's a no win situation. The other thing with an elevator is the way everybody goes in and faces the door you should try this. Do uh, listeners try this as an experiment, go into a, you know, at least a semi full elevator and stand at the door with your back to the door facing the rest of the people. (laughs) It is so uncomfortable. I had a friend who, when we first, when I first moved to LA, when you get to an elevator, he'd whisper, all the way over here, I shouldn't have drank all that fart juice. (laughs) (laughs) My pants are starting to foam. (laughs) Anybody got any disinfectant? We're some real edgelords. I know. Um, the, uh, uh, oh, when you said the body, when the door opened, the elevator with the back, it reminded that part in body double when they're all in the elevator and the doors open, the, the native Americans there, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> and then the doors close and everybody looks at each other like, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, the child Susie, Paul's daughter. Yeah. Um, this is when the Pino Dinaggio music really came to life. Uh-huh. Because it has this kind of like gentle carry. Yeah. Now there's two scenes of two different counselors breaking through to Susie, which I thought was a little excessive. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, just unusual. Um, so after, and I did think it was funny that the way the counselor was trying to get the kid to get in the water was all of the specifics of what a piranha does. She was like, oh, yeah. you're not going to go in there. You're worried some fish are going to eat your toes and fingertips in a nibbling fast fashion. <laughs> fish eat fish. Humans eat fish. Fish don't eat humans. And then he walks away. Unless they're piranhas. <laughs> yeah. But when he says humans eat fish, fish don't eat humans. Yeah. I was like, oh, that guy's. His number, the piranha has his his number. That guy, that was funny too. When I love the little scene when the counselor kid comes with an arrow through him, and his his response, that main guy, that's not funny. And I'm like, yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> you never see the kid's face. It's just this kid yeah. is like committed to the bit, and that, also yeah. how bold to go up to a, like an asshole adult like that and do that. I mean, that takes some guts. So I salute you. Kid. That takes some real last day of camp. Yeah. Uh, bravery. Um, now the, then Jack dies. Um, he gets attacked by the piranha on the dock. Uh, like I said, I like the part where he was talking to the oh, yeah. dog impromptu. That was nice. Um, that dog actor was not, he, he ain't no mushroom in no. Gremlins. No, he's Cause, someone's pet. Because there was one time where he was supposed to lead them up to the path, up to where, like, Jack had died or something. And the dog, like, gets out of the boat, stops, looks right off camera, and, like, makes a beeline. <laughs> it's like, the dog is done. <laughs> but how crazy is it that Keenan, when in, in consecutive years, basically plays the same role of a, just an old salty... Right wizened grizzled swedish sweet not swedish sweet ish old man that gets killed by this 
waterborne antagonist, or in the case of Orca, protagonist. Yeah, because Orca was 70... <laughs> protagonist yeah. is right, yeah. Orca is 77. Yeah. This is 78. I wonder if there's a 79 or a 76. <laughs> there's maybe like a 12-year run of him getting eaten by uh, water creatures. Tell my agent I only do, you know, first act water kills. Well, you know, this is funny because maybe... Do you think Piranha knew or didn't know? And if you got cast in that, you wouldn't tell them, hey, I actually already did this. Yeah. You're like, let's keep it down here. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I thought that with, um, I think Shutter Island came out six, seven months before Inception. But they both are about like Leonardo DiCaprio's character. His brain is mixed up about where his wife and kids are at and yeah. both of them and if yeah. they're alive and what he did to them. And like, I wondered if Leonardo DiCaprio ever yeah. like was like to Martin Scorsese was like, just so you know, Inception has some of this stuff in it too. No. Or to Christopher Nolan, he was like, just so you know, Shutter Island's going to come out like a few months before. It's like sort of identical. No way. Cause he's like, I don't want to blow either of them. Yeah. Yeah. So then those guys, do you think <laughs> Christopher yeah. Nolan's walking Shutter Island? He's like, what the fuck? Mark, Leo, you could have told me. You could have told me. Hey, you guys could have told me. <laughs> I wouldn't have kicked you out. I just I just would have liked to know him. Just give a guy a heads up. <laughs> we know. That's Christopher Nolan. That's exactly how Chris, it's exactly Christopher Nolan talks. talks. Memento <laughs> is my, was my retro movie. <laughs> I can't believe that guy makes those films. Weird. Um, now... When Jack dies, I like that special effect of his bone feet, and then it looked like he was buried in the yeah. ground. Orca didn't have, he didn't get a death like that in Orca. No, he got nothing in Orca. Yeah. Nothing. Maybe uh, that's why he did this, where he's like, finally, I get the respect yeah, that I do. An on screen death that I worked hard to get. Yeah. Um, legacy. What did you think when they were throwing darts at the camp counselor on the target, just like my Joey Lawrence? No, that's right. Oh my God, you made it happen. Yeah. Do you think there's a secret? the secret element to our podcast yeah. that, that even works in like time reverse. Like you can go back in time. Yeah. And rewrite history. We should test that. Um, yeah. Next time you watch it, it will be Joey Lawrence playing that role. <laughs> the whole cast of blossom is replaced. Um, now we have the scene, the, the, on the raft, and the canoe flipping over, father-child scene. Um, the uh, I I always thought the effect of the blood coming up in the water was really good. Yeah, and I'm wondering how much they had to use because it's potent and they do it a lot. Yeah, how much? Like how many gallons do you think it takes to make that effect? Like it could to be get that one little... gallon does that, or it's like twenty gallons. I have no idea. Yeah, and how do you think it works? It's like somebody's underwater there, and they go. <laughs> Like with a little pump? It must be a, like a bigger pump that's really... Because the air pressure coming up with the bubbles has to be significant. Yeah, and it's not like a bag that they cut. and No. Because it does have a definitive like... Unless it is a bag full of air and blood. Oh. Like, no, but it's got to be like an actual like pump. Yeah, it comes out like a fountain. Sort yeah. Of, yeah. I'd love to see the contraption. Water yep. squib. Ooh, water squid. It's like a blood pack for rivers. 
Uh, that's um, if the lead singer of Weezer ever wanted to fake his death. Blood pack. We need a blood pack for Rivers. Why? He's finally faking his death. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. Um, Then we get the, yeah, Kevin McCarthy, the scientist, his backstory, which I really liked. We talked about the um, science and service of the defense effort, as he put it. Yeah. Operation Razor Teeth. I know. That was pretty good. Uh, Now, I liked... The his death, the editing of his screams, and then yeah, and his, yeah, that was a pretty good death. Yeah, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I liked it. I agree. And but he didn't die right away. He gets or he gets pulled up onto the raft. No, that was what was a little disappointing about this movie. I will say is that there was really no, there was different in the way actors performed their deaths, but there was no. Everybody just got nibbled, and there's this implication of all this blood and furor that like half yeah. of their bodies being eaten away and they're always getting pulled out and they're just little nips all over them. Like so much. So yeah. you didn't even feel like they would have died. No, I wanted, yeah. A moment where they're like pulling Kevin McCarthy out of the water and it's just his top part. Yeah. Like skeleton body and I think yeah. they do that in the remake, but I think that's also probably more true to life of what piranha don't just devour you. They probably yeah. eat you for a bit and you swat them away like bees and they're not really that lethal. So this is the first movie of Piranha. They're probably not going to go overboard, but but nowadays right. you want like yeah, in cartoons you would see it and it would just dissolve anything, you yeah. know, like acid. It was like yeah. putting something in acid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there's Piranha in the toy, the toy. <laughs> what do they put in there? Richard Pryor like has to run by a river that has piranha in it. When he gets out, he has those little like slits and cuts all in this like tight fitting sweater. That's right. And they're like perfectly lined slits. I yeah. remember. And there's, <laughs> I, why am I forgetting which bond movie is it? You only live twice. There's piranha in that. Oh really? Yeah. Any in Thunderball when he's scuba diving, he's like, Oh no. Just, piranha. <laughs> just sharks. <laughs> just shark jaws. Now we did get a scuba diving underwater scuba diving yeah, scene. Yeah, they got it in. Which I um were there scuba divers in Orca? I don't think so. Yeah, cuz most of these movies there's usually a scuba diving sequence. You know what I have noticed is a real repetition of not only theme parks but especially water skiing. Yes. So you've got two Jaws movies, at least, where they're water skiing. Same year, 78, had two yeah. water skiing shark sequences. And part three, and this, and there's an... I forget. But this also had a person seemingly committing gas-pouring boat suicide. <laughs> I know they turned away, but they're just it just looks yeah. like they're actively, intentionally pouring gas into their own boats, like in Jaws. Was that... Yeah. Two or three, or that was f- uh, four? Two is when two. the woman got yeah. blown up with the gas. Yeah. Yeah. So that was also another Jaws 2. Yeah. Quinky dink. They had to get an explosion in here. They're like, Orca managed to blow up a whole inland refinery. We can at least blow up one boat. <laughs> what could these paradas do? Um, I thought the scene with the uh, warning sounding of air horn precedes lowering of gates to spill water scene was pretty yeah, funny yeah. when the guy's like crank falls off he's like watching a cartoon yeah it's like it was like a joke it was like what if a guy had to run to a guy but the crank fell off so give him time there was times where there was outright comedy in this but then not a lot so i know that this is sometimes called a comedy it didn't feel like a 
comedy to me. It just felt like Joe Dante has some sense of humor that he let seep in, but yeah, the, the, it was hard for me to grasp what this was exactly. It didn't seem like a lot of it was right. Scripted comedy. Yeah. It was like things found and I couldn't, I didn't know if that sign was supposed to be funny or not. I didn't either. It was hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which maybe isn't a good sign. No. Um, now then the army shows up and then that British woman. Yeah. Uh, and I like this, the army in other movies, the army might say to the main characters, join us, join our team. And they go, we'd love to, we'd love serving our country. Not in this Not movie. Guys, no. They go, screw you guys. You're messing it up. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. And the duo leaves them. You did this in the first place. Yeah. Army. Um, and then, um, we find out that her and uh, Kevin McCarthy had a a relationship. Yeah. She refers to him as Bob. And yeah, she says, you're friends. And she says something like a little, way a more. little more than yeah. that. Do you think what, if, if that had been 20 years later, she would have gone friends with benefits. <laughs> He's my fuck buddy. <laughs> My and you're my frenemy. <laughs> what are some other Booty early call. audience boss buzzwords? Booty call. Uh, I like the headline. <laughs> yeah, booty call. Uh, the uh, headline of the newspaper, Paul Bartel's character was, oh, yeah. dogs tear up newborn baby. Yeah. And then there's just a picture of three men. <laughs> with a baby? I, without a baby? No, with a cardboard cutout. Not even a little lady was with them? I don't believe so. Um, Dick Miller. Oh, yeah, Dick Miller. He's so good in this. Yeah, because he's like, he's with painters who are like, yeah, they're finishing up the resort. We're just trying to get it ready for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, echoes of Jaws 3, or I guess Jaws 3 is echoes of this. Yeah, because I liked some of the shots of the theme park or the amusement park that was behind him. It yeah. looked like real. Who is his like right-hand man? It does film like they're like, well, let's give this guy a costume. What are we going to give him? Well, a yachting cap, a blazer, but also a bolo tie. Yeah. I, and his assistant? Is yeah, his assistant. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I recognize that guy. He's in Gremlins 2 oh. as like a, a lab assistant. Um, but yeah, because it's funny that he also has that suitcase with a phone in it. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, and he has that hilarious line where Dick Miller's on the phone and he says... Like, what do you bother me for? What What about the guests? And the Piranha or Lucy, he goes, they're eating the guests. <laughs> that was, that was really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was in the same shot, the, uh, getting to see the amusement park rides with the phone and the briefcase. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, this yeah. is chocolate and marshmallows. <laughs> um, oh, when the cop at the jail got knocked out and they took off his pants. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I would refer to boxers as TV underwear because oh. <laughs> I didn't think they existed in real life because yeah. me and my dad didn't wear them. Yeah, and uh, it would the only, but I don't think they were hearts, but they were like diamond shapes. Uh-huh. The full TV underwear is the boxers with hearts on yeah, them, right? Especially in a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which maybe this movie was kind of embracing some of its more cartoony stuff, I but I did so. like seeing. Uh, should I just start wearing those in life? <laughs> like boxer shirts with hearts on them? I told you right on this show about how I got locked out of my friend's dorm room at USC wearing lip print silk 
white and red silk oh, boxers. Oh, that's right. So to, I probably have talked about the TV yeah. underwear. Well, I don't remember that. Oh, okay. I had to walk across campus to find him to get back in, and I was just wearing those. Did people think you were um, a walk of shaming? I, I don't Talk know. I had a shirt on, so it wasn't like I was just in those. And this was actually at a time when boxers as shorts was a thing, like CSULB, where I went to college, would sh- sell plaid boxers with CSULB written on them. Yep. And but well, yeah. these were silk and like, you know, or they, I don't even know if they were real silk. Like I got them at probably Target. They were just real, like, uh, billowy and wispy. Like, they weren't something you could wear. Like, you couldn't yeah. sit down in It's these. not corduroy. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I doubt that fly hole had a zipper. No. So, silky, yeah. underly. Oh, Whoa, right. boy. Yeah. You could have been um, um, a, a slasher movie. Like, that twists you up. Oh, I walk across campus oh, yeah. and then you come back a year later and I'm perverted. <laughs> this happened to me. I had to walk across campus for 10 minutes and I'm perverted enough to kill all the trauma. <laughs> uh, then we kind of go into the last like 20 minutes here. They do that big overhead traveling shot of the resort on opening day and I like the moment when they're playing games with the kids and they make the kids with glasses take off their glasses. Like, I have a kind of faint memory of that. Really? Like, when you would do something, the kids with glasses, they would be like, take off the glasses so they don't fall off and oh. you don't crunch them. But it's so funny because it just means yeah. <laughs> this blind kid has to try to do something. Well, yeah, take off your glasses while we play archery. Good, good luck. <laughs> um now uh another sort of it seemed like the corman 10 minute rule or whatever that there's a part where he's driving really fast and he tries to get around a car that he swerves and drives into the ditch yeah in super undercranked fast motion felt like i was watching a 60s bond movie here the undercranked motion in a thing like the average moviegoer's eye picks up on what that is and like what's that it's not even if they don't know the effect that's yeah. being done, they go, that's, that's weird. That, but it was so prevalent at that time that it must not have. Maybe like, it just went over. It's just, it's funny that it's like, it would be like if somebody was like, see how long my boner is? And then they like tug <laughs> on it. And like, I'm not supposed to see your hand pulling on your, like, <laughs> that was the best example. <laughs> I could come up. Wow. Like, you're not tricking me. I see what you're doing. Is it? Because in theory, it should work because it's, I think it's that the pan that follows the camera motion always feels too quick. That's what it is. It's kind of like if they could move slow with it, it would all kind of. Yeah. Or like human movement. If their heads are bobbing back and forth, they don't recover that quickly or like, if you're driving through the grass or leaves, they don't spring back that quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't see it much anymore. No. Maybe because CGI like does the job sometimes for people. I watched Spectre recently and there's, I've always talked about this on the Bond podcast that after the train fight, when Madeline Swan and Bond go into his train cabin and they like start make kissing madly mm. and like lie down it's undercranked, like they sped it up. But then I realized that's not the case. I don't think they're 
the train is going by. And so the light coming through the windows, giving it a strobe effect. Whoa. And it looks like it's sped up. I actually don't think it's like zoetrope animation. It's weird. Yeah. Um, Do you think somebody was like looking through the window, like a giant? A pervert giant. Yeah. I'm going to watch. I hope this thing gets to the good parts before it repeats. (laughs) (laughs) And also Fee Fi Fo Fum. Oh, I forgot to see Fee Fi Fo Fum. (laughs) Oh, no. My zoetrope exploded. Uh, I like how the outsider Susie, because she's reading Donald Duck comics, she ends up saving the day. Yeah. Why was the head counselor so angry at her for reading comic books and the other kids it's camp yeah it's not like she's using the comic books to kill people no she's using it to save yeah you let a kid be happy right um when that park the the beach gets full yeah I loved every one of those 70s oh, dirt bags. Me too. When Isn't that guy the best? Like, tries to put down the chair and it collapses. And then he keeps spitting out whatever spilled in his mouth. He does it like three times. I know. <laughs> I, I love that guy and unironically because he's also playing it somehow very real. Yes. He's doing something so broad, yeah. so real. And that's my favorite thing. And- yeah. The, uh, uh, similarly, um, uh, that pontoon boat, like when people started clamoring on it and stuff. Oh I yeah. Loved, like all the, that look of like panic, like, yeah. Cause it says you can only have 18 people. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Seeing people panic on a pontoon boat is a good way to show panic, panic. on the pontoon. Yeah. Po- pentonic. Pa- pa- pentatonics, the acapella band. <laughs> I and I drove around listening to pentatonics for a couple of days. Cause it was like cracking us up. We saw them on Sesame street. <laughs> They're so funny. also that we're not dorky our name is pentatonics with an x with an x we got an x in our name you know it's basically like an extreme sport (laughs) (laughs) we should actually be singing at the x games (laughs) why have we not been asked um the X Gays just reminded you remember Jock Jams and yeah. Jock Rock? Yeah. Um, my sister Anne wanted Jock Jams for Christmas, and it was so hard for me to go into a music land or a Sam Goody because you already feel like you're getting judged when you have to bring up the music you buy. And I was like, Jock Jams? Oh. I don't like jocks and I don't like jams, and I'm being forced <laughs> to buy this for my sister. So, uh, this is like seventh or eighth grade. I should have not done this. When I went up to the counter, my other sister, Amy, the one I wasn't buying it for, was across the record store. And in front of the guy by the counter, I was like, Amy, Anne wanted this. Oh. Jock Jan. Anne, okay, this is the one she wants. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, ah. I, oh my God. <laughs> I also thought you were going to say, this is for her. I you and me, we get it. Just throw this her under the horrible, bus. horrible, but she insisted I buy this. She's making me buy it. She's embarrassed. <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it because I like I don't have that kind of problem. <laughs> like, I don't care what people think of me. I don't have those me. hiccups yeah, at all. I don't. She does. That's She's really yeah. embarrassing. Anyway, what are you doing later? You want to hang out? I, 
<laughs> you want to listen to Jack Frost later? I mean, oh, oh, oh God. Uh, I mean, jock, jock, rock, jock, rock, jock, rock. Jock, rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a jam band guy. I'm a bit of a jock guy. Just to look at me. <laughs> yeah, I've been. <laughs> the eighth grade. The least when I should have like been trying to like there's so many things going against it. <laughs> I think my parted hair down the middle water <laughs> buffalo look was already against me. Jock Jams didn't add much. He puts it on the Sam Goody speaker as you leave. Oh no. It's like the guy, yeah, who's like price check on the condoms, sort of. Oh, moment. yeah. Yeah. I bought these for my sister. But it should be the thing that you should be like, yeah, jock jams. I buy these yeah. all the time. I, all I do is play football. Five all the time. What I don't Every want. Every weekend I go and have to buy a new pack of jock jams. I'll take this jock jam CD. I saw you got nerd tunes over there. <laughs> Who buys that shit? <laughs> God, probably got left with a bunch of those. <laughs> it is funny, though, that at the time I was listening to like Weezer sing about like, I got my Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah. It was like, oh, it was oh, fitting. Yeah. Jock Jams was like nerdy nerd rock about my Dungeon Master. <sighs> you already crossed the threshold. Yep, yeah. I can go back. <laughs> uh, um, when that water skiing guy, when we were talking about it earlier, uh, do you think there's like any better way to go uh, than two babes driving a boat around and tormenting you to death? <laughs> I love that moment where they slow down and he's like, no, go, go. And they actually do speed up and you're yeah. like, oh, okay, he's going to make it. Yeah. But um, uh, he didn't? I don't Or remember. did he? He might have. Did he been. live to tell I don't the remember. Tale? Um, no, because maybe were they the boat that went through the other and exploded? They must have. Cause I, I thought those were, uh, I called those the Ben Tramer boats. Oh yeah. Ben Tramer just needed to be like kind of in between those two boats when they he, collided. Yeah. He could have been there. He could have been the Ben Tramer of Piranha. Uh, when I was reading about the Halloween, about the smoke and the thing, it reminded me, I think we talked about it once, but Ben Tramer is based on a real person, Bennett Tramer, That's which right. was a name I saw all the time on Saved by the Bell growing up. He's like a writer. That's right. And he was a friend of Nick Castle's and John Carpenter's yeah. or something? Yeah. Or he did some work with them or something. I think, yeah, maybe they went to USC together or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. That guy's theoretically still out there. Like, Ben Tramer lives. Yeah. Oh, I guess he's still, we talked about this in the Halloween commentary. He still lives in the new universe. But what if, right, 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 yeah. because he didn't die in that timeline. They should have Bennett Tramer play Ben Tramer. I know. Maybe, maybe they will. I <laughs> think that would be really good. But I actually really, when you think about it, Halloween is the perfect example of the physics theory of multiverses because in <sighs> one timeline, Ben Tramer's alive and one he's dead, all because of and those Loomis' choices. Yeah. I mean, and frankly, and Ben's choices to just like walk when he should have run or, or just stop and pull off a mask and go, it's just me, Ben. I trick or treat alone. Big deal. Like that doesn't make me a freak. Yeah. And even if he had a couple beers, that doesn't yeah. make somebody, uh, give up their understanding of how humans work. No, but I guess the person that trick or treats alone, 
yeah. is coming from a disadvantaged spot. Ben, ben had some place. other issues. <laughs> he also had like this weird water buffalo haircut. He parted his head <laughs> down the middle. It was really unflattering. Loved jock jams. <laughs> Even to this day has to make up a story about his sister wanting it for Christmas to justify <laughs> buying it. Uh, when the people got attacked in the resort, how fun, huh? Yeah. Just that, that's what the Meg really didn't yeah. deliver on as much. Yeah. What this did. Yeah. The, just like the mayhem. Uh, I loved it whenever a kid in this movie gets into the water, he just immediately starts screaming and splashing. I know. I was not expecting the kids to get nibbled on. They, none of them died. Right? No, but that is like uh, a studio movie. Yeah. You would not. That is like, I wrote all caps. That is a choice. They could have easily had it be that they're just going to like, I mean, they go to a resort and attack, yeah. but like the attacking the kids thing is wild. I guess unless you're going to do something really serious, like Alex Kintner, one death, you know, but yeah. Right. So maybe they were just like, you can't just have a free for all kid buffet for the piranha. <laughs> <laughs> But I loved all the like shots of like underwater shots of like blood and chunks of yeah. flesh and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, we have this like climax, which is pretty cool. The like having to now they so, so seem to stretch how long what counting to 100. We should count, I should have counted know, to 100 to see what that would have yeah. actually been like. But, uh, uh, I do like the setup of like you have to go down underwater to release a thing and then a person has a rope tied to you just in case the counting goes up, they can just pull you up. Yeah. Like, that, that's cool. There is a sort of feeling to whichever mission impossible movie it is where he has to swim around that like turbine. That's right. Yeah. I remember that. Um, what was the, what, what was turning that doing exactly? I somehow missed it. It was opening up pollute. It was releasing pollutants that will kill the piranha in the river, but only the piranha. I guess they're just okay with it's nineteen seventy eight. They're yeah. just like, we'll lose this ecosystem here. Yeah, or it was just like we're gonna add more pollution <laughs> yes. than is already there. Pollution is good. Yeah. So we're gonna have to uh yeah, th- that's like what that black stuff I think was like coming out into the water. But yeah, what it a kills crazy solution. Well, you lefties haven't really covered all your uh <laughs> I did think that. I was like, Oh, this is kind of a weird it's not it's not a solution that we'd want to like apply to real life. No, because back in 78, I, I was five and mm-hmm. I literally do remember this time and littering was just fine. You could just walk down the street, especially in the mountains, drink a Coke can, throw it off to the side. Wow. It was insane. And then I remember around late 70s, early 80s, all the public service announcements of like, give a hoot, don't pollute. Yeah. Don't litter. Don't be a litter bug. This was a huge movement. And there was then suddenly you would start getting shamed for, for littering. But littering was just That's so, fine. Yeah. It was, I, I grew up in the litter shaming. Yeah. But yeah, there's like a scene in Mad Men. I remember where they get up from a picnic and they just like walk away from it. Mm-hmm. They don't even look back at the garbage. It's yeah. just like, that's uh, what you would do. Yeah. Just toss it anywhere on the street in nature. Um, you know, you, when you just mentioned that you were, you were born in 73. Yeah. The last episode... I asked when did Roe v. Wade come into effect, and you were like 1973. Yeah, that's, do you know that because of that's your why, birth year? Yeah, uh huh. 
Do you find that interesting that 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 was the year you were also born? I guess I've never even thought about that. I only remember it because I'm sure the first time I read it, it clicked because it was the year I was born. Yeah. But you know, it's funny you mentioned that when I was, after you left, I did Google it again. For some reason, I was thinking, did I get that right? I had to double check. Well, look at, look at what kind of care we give this podcast. You go back and check to see if you were. I didn't, especially in in these fraught times, didn't want to misrepresent that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, yeah, the, uh, the last shot. So Dick Miller and the army are walking along this beach of like all these bloody people being tended to. Yeah. That was quite a yard sale. Yeah. And then Dr. Mangers, she looks into the camera and she says, there's nothing left to fear. And then it goes to that water tinted red. I like that ending. But yeah. it was it was a uh, wild. Yeah. Also, that um, yeah, the, the it didn't wind up the way I thought it was going to. No, and it made me. There is is there a sequel to this? Yeah, the James Cameron. That's right. right. Yeah, Piranha Two: The and Spawning. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. Keep it. Something to consider. Yeah. Something to think about. I mean, Piranha. That's a pretty good batting average. The first director is Joe Dante. The yeah. second one, James Cameron. Right. Third one, Marty Scorsese. <laughs> That's the one for them. He does one for me and one for them. And we know the Prana was one for them. <laughs> them being Roger Corman's crew. Yeah. He did have Roger Corman. That's movie, right. Uh, Boxcar Bertha. That's right. And yeah. Cameron did Prana. Prana 2? He didn't do another one. Right? No, yeah. But Prana 2 else? then did do Terminator. Oh, a bunch of people, yeah, came out of the... Yeah. Uh, Ron Howard. That's film. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like Jack Nicholson and right. Peter Fonda with wow. Easy Rider and stuff. Who's today's Roger Corman? Uh, his movies are, I think, classier and more respected, but maybe like Blumhouse, J- Jason Blum. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're, you can't really poke holes in them as much as like a Corman movie or something. Yeah, and I don't think they're... You don't go to those in the movie. Not that Piranha wants you to know they're low budget, but they don't, I think, go out of their way to hide it. Yeah, they are what they are. Yeah, where the Blumhouse movies, I do think there's an attempt to... They dress it up. They yeah. upscale it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, who... I mean, those people who are doing those, like, rip-off, like, snakes on a train oh, asylum yeah. pictures. Yeah. transmorphers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's... Maybe somewhere between those yeah, two. That's good. Yeah. Well, who's I? Had a, I have a really hard time coming up with the best kill for this because the kills are so similar. Yeah. So I guess I I would go with doctor. Yeah, the, the doctor is mine. Yeah. Okay. And then it's time to rate. Rate it at a thirteen. Just we both loved Jaws and gave it a perfect score of thirteen. Thirteen splashes. I gave Jaws 2 a 9.5, and you gave Jaws 2 a 9. Jaws 3D, we both gave a 5.5. Oh, but then we... That was updated from... That was the updated It was one. a 4.5 originally, yeah. but then we, we did that. We updated that on August 19th, for the record. <laughs> I've got that noted. Uh, you know, someday when all of this... Yeah, uh, and also, guys, just remember, this is the episode where we established... Gorley and I were at the same cemetery movie screening. Yes, right. Yeah. So when people go, what was that episode? Yeah. It was the Piranha one. That's right. 
Jaws the Revenge, I gave a seven. You gave a six. Deep Blue Sea, um, I gave a nine and you gave a ten. Open Water. I should give an Orca a ten with Bo Derek in it. <laughs> I guess there was already a ten in it. <laughs> it just starts at ten and then you can only go up. I, I gave Open Water a seven. You gave it a 7.5. We both gave the Meg a 4.5, and that's what made us go back and give Jaws 3D a 5.5 on August 19th. <laughs> Wait a minute. But we did... Oh, no, I watched the Meg on August 18th. Okay. Orca, I <laughs> gave After a, your day at Disneyland. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Orca, I gave a 6. You gave it a 5.5. Piranha. Where would I put it between... Okay. Uh, I I I think I have mine. Uh, okay, I think I got mine. I'm going to go eight and a half. That's good. I'm going to go... I think Jaws 2 is better, and I think Deep Blue Sea is better, and Jaws yeah. is better. And, and boy, this is... This is your like ranked fourth. Fourth, yeah. I I liked it more than Open Water. I did too. I'm gonna go six point five. This is a pretty wide. But did you for give us. Open Water seven seven point five? Oh, did I? But I gave Jaws four. Oh, I'm, this is a tough season. I did give it a seven. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to take. Okay. I'm yeah. gonna take open water down sure. to a six. And this is done on this day, September 6, 21, notarized. <laughs> because I I'm embarrassed to admit I liked Jaws the Revenge better than Piranha. Oh, that's fine. This and what did you give Jaws the Revenge? A seven. Oh. I think. Wait, do I have that right? This is the toughest season to rate for me. Oh, uh, yeah, I give it a seven. Wow, this one is... We've never done so much historical revision. and you know, I know. What does that say? Um, I think we know exactly what it says. We thought the election was rigged. Yeah, and it was. And so we're rigging this because yeah. we're like, well, the election was rigged. It's about time. Um, Gorley and I, I know we said that we met at the uh, cemetery screening. We actually met at the uh, attack on the Capitol. Yeah, we did. January 6th, yeah. 2000. I know it seems like we might have done previous <laughs> podcasts before that, but nope, no, that's not the case. Nope. Go no. back and actually look at the dates and you'll see that <laughs> that was when we first met. And that guy in the bison head is actually his water buffalo <laughs> hairdo that he brought back yeah he liked yeah i liked um <laughs> uh, so what's your your uh, uh 6.5 6.5 great yeah this is subject to change there's this one this season has taken a lot of deep deep contemplation and at the like maybe at oh. the end of next episode we can really see if our rankings hold up and i was reminded of this last week and I thought I was trying to nail down like why did why am, well, yeah why am I a little like unmoored trying to figure out the like um the rating and where my scale is at for like when it becomes when it's bad when it's good yeah. and when it's great and the I had a hunch the first thought I had was Jaws is so good 
it kind of threw us for a loop. Now, a lot yeah. of the first ones we watch are great, but maybe right. there's a, a decline in quality that eases you down a little easier. I think when we went to Jaws 3D, it was like the reverse of the bends. Like we yes. dropped so low so quickly from such a great height. That yeah, because I think Jaws is the only truly good yes. movie. Yes. Movie, movie. Right. These are some good shark movies and fun movies. Right. Deep Blue Sea, certainly. But movie, like legit movie. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe trying to figure out the gradation of, uh, is that the right word? Of like, um, these movies is a harder to pin down than it is with like the alien movies where it was like, I know I like this one more than this one. And that one belongs here. And because we're not as familiar. And this also isn't one franchise. And right. it's not all one-offs either. It's yes. half franchise, half scattershot. Yeah. So it's a little easier and harder to compare the two to each other because you got these like similar things. So you can go, well, I know I didn't like any of the attacks in blank movie. And I love it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll revisit the full the full ranking at the end of the full Sharky next week's. Yeah. Like the full Monty Sharky's machine. There's Burt Reynolds. Ooh. Do you think Sharky's machine should be included? Oh my God. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? Uh, is there any other non-related, like not actually shark sharks, just the word. Oh, um, we could watch all of the episodes of James Woods attorney at law show. Shark. Oh, we could watch every episode of the game show Card Sharks. <laughs> we watched Card Sharks nightly at my house. It was like I on the it. Nashville network. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was it reruns? Yeah. I used to watch that guy first run with Alex Trebek. Or no, did he? He hosted the Rebus one. Yeah. The guy who did Card Sharks, I think, did have a mustache, though. Yeah. He did have a Trebek-like stash. Uh, hmm. The people who held on to mustaches past their fashion were authority figures, game show hosts, and cops. You're right. They were like, "This, I need this. This whole set could go crazy if I'm not the one with the mustache. <sighs> Things will fall apart if this is like a this is like a load bearing mustache." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the rock. Yeah, it's the 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 shoulders holding up the rock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the mustache. Well, there'll be some shoulders holding open a rock on if we ever watch crawl. Yeah, if we saying. ever do. Yeah. I guess that would be well, the time I get to see it. There's some real riddles to figure out in this episode of some <laughs> questions that have been posed that might also be answered if you're really paying attention. Our co host the, the hosts are Matt Gorley, Paul Rust, and Edward Nigma. <laughs> 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 well, Paul, another uh, happy episode. Yeah, I think this was a long one. It was, and we've been going a little shorter lately, so it's good to beef it back up. Yeah, because this is a we're at it's two ten right now. Oh my god! And I think we started at like that's a freeway by where we live. <laughs> yeah, should I speed down it right now? Yeah, to take get some time back. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gorley, yeah, I'll see you next week for Cruel Jaws. I can't wait. Bye-bye. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. 
with Corley and Russ theme song by me, Mac Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Corley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.